podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, you little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. Absolute disgrace. I sure this- no one will mind. Move him out of here, Darren. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual. I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> Both have been rape victims. I'm not watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. Get out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, Natters, Messenger Group. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to be the king. Jay Bump, you know what I'm saying? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 504th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call, we have Ozzy Smith and Matty DiGiolonardo going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everyone listening through the week on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice. Throughout the entire month of December, which is nearly finished, nothing less than five stars is acceptable. My voice is just about holding up here. It's been a bit of a rough week, to be honest with you. Even rougher for friend of the pod, the now regularly absent Andrew Patterson. We joked about AIDS, Matty, but apparently it's turning out to be quite serious. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we're we're all praying for Andy. Uh, we, we didn't know that it would get this serious, but uh, you know he's he's hanging on a thread by, there in Scotland. I mean, in the average life expectancy is only like in the high fifties there, so you know he's he's fucking closer to death anyways than, than you or I say. But uh, nonetheless, tragic tragic as could be. Oh, please don't make me laugh, whatever you do. Well, at least we could be con- consoled in the comforting thought that at least wherever he is in Scotland, it's bound to be nice and warm, Matty. Absolutely toasty. The 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 warmth of whiskey in a fireplace, the screaming of the kids in the bath background. Andrew wishing for death. I can see it all in my head. <laughs> it's all in his head. Welcome to everybody in the chat as well. I'm sitting here with a pair of headphones on, um, nice big jacket. I got a scarf and a, and a woolly hat, and there's no heating going on in the Wellington household at the moment. So we are we are struggling on through as best as we can. It did, it did heat up this weekend in the boxing world. There was a little bit of action, some crushing knockouts, some stateside action too. We will start off over in Japan, though, on Tuesday the 13th of December in the Ariaki Arena. Naoa Inoue, 23-0 against 34-2 Paul Butler. The IBF, WBA, WBC and WBO World Bantamweight titles were all on the line for this fantastic unification matchup. Matty, a nice 
outing to Japan for Paul Butler to cash in his WBO belt. He got a nice, decent payday ride off into the sunset, uh, relatively unscathed. His reputation possibly slightly more intact, given how he lasted 11 rounds beyond many expectations. Some people are not happy about this, though. Should we be more critical of Paul Butler's tactics, given the fact that it's a unification? On paper, Butler is a world champion two times over. He has a decorated trainer in his corner, and yet they chose to survive for as long as possible. Well, yeah, they, they didn't really seem to try to win with with anything they were doing in there, uh, with the tactics, uh, with the effort given. Um, I, I had said uh, I'd set the line at three and a half rounds. The books actually had it at two and a half, Steve, so I gave him more credit mm-hmm. than they did. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he outperformed expectations, I guess, considering that. But um, he, he never won around, never even came close to sniffing winning around. Um, in a way, just proving why he's just a, an incredible offensive force. Um, also, just some nice little subtle defensive moves, rolling punches, uh, to set up the zone, etc. Um, he, he's an exceptional fighter. Uh, first unified uh, or undisputed uh, Japanese champion in the in the history of boxing. Uh, first undisputed champion in the four belt era in the history of the bantamweight uh, division. So uh, I, I think you got to hand it to him on that, that alone. Uh, you know, Butler wasn't giving him a, a whole lot to push back against, uh, but uh, you know, it, it was a good run he had at the weight class. I'm hoping he moves to 122 and they can make that Fulton fight happen. But uh, regardless, good run by from Inouye in the division, and he'll always have those two fights uh, over Donaire. Uh, one of them just an absolute demolition, but the other one, uh, you know, fighting through that broken jaw, uh, definitely in the classic fights of the last five years. Um, so it's been a good run at 118 for the monster, but it, it's time to test the waters at 120. 22 and see if they can't make that Stephen Fulton fight because um, you know whether that's something that catches the allure of the uh, you know the casual fan base not too worried about that's a fight for the boxing hardcore that's a fight that uh, people from all sorts of different time zones are going to be staying awake waking up early for uh, it'll be a good one Yep, it's been a good run indeed. A bantamweight for in UA. Some good running from Paul Butler as well. Nobody really gave him much of a chance. I was going in here. What did we really expect? Was he going to stand there like previous in UA monster victims of the past and just get his ass absolutely handed to him? He, he was slightly uh, fortunate circumstances with his WBO thing. Should have really been Casemiro. Obviously, he ended up fighting Sultan for the interim title. Got upgraded when Casemiro. Uh, got up to some nefarious dealings. It would have been better seeing Casemiro in there, more of a, a puncher's chance. But Butler stepped in. He's done the best he could. And he went a lot longer than we thought. You know, people were talking one, two, three rounds at the absolute max. So to see him go out there by the body shot in round 11 is a kind of moral victory, if nothing else. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it was a, a commendable effort from Butler because, like, like you say, he was very back foot. Um but I would say he had success in the fact that he did frustrate Inouye at times. You know, I think because he didn't give him a lot to engage off, Inouye did have to do things a bit different, you know, and that's probably why it went so deep. Um, the stoppage came at a good time for him, really. You could tell that, you know, put step putting the foot on the gas, he did get to him. But I, I was in agreement that I didn't think it would go past three, to be honest. I thought Inouye just blitz him out of there. Too heavy-handed. We saw what Zalani Tete did to Paul Butler. Um won't say in similar fashion, but pretty much won every second of every round. It was a shutout and then knocked him out. Um, and anyway, it was pretty much the same, you know, dominated the fight, but did have his frustrations. I think the eighth was probably Butler's best round where he, you know, threw some shots and did a bit more, but it still wasn't enough to win a round. Um, but 
like I said, I won't praise a, a performance from where you know you lose every round, but I will give him credit for certainly lasting a lot longer. Um, and ultimately, you know, did he feel that it was the best way that he might well have won? Probably. Butler's not got the power to disturb in a way whatsoever. So why would he stand in the pocket and trade with him? If he was a huge puncher, I would understand that because you never know. If you land a big shot, it could be lights out. Butler's not got that power to him. So Joe Gallagher came up with a plan. Um, and let's have it right as well, by the way. Paul Butler did not need to take this fight. He could have, you know, had two or three defences, you know, earning money against substandard opponents, defending that title. Instead, he essentially took an opportunity, went to unify, and that was that. So, you know, fair play, you know, he, he stepped up, he, he went for all the belts, went out to Japan. He did a better effort than Jamie fucking McDonald, if you remember that. Mm. Jamie McDonald's quite instinct, who is in a way, yeah, well, he got his ass fucking canned handed to him. That's what happened. Whereas Butler, certainly different, but again, same outcome. Um, I don't really know what Butler will do now, to be honest. You know, I, you know, he, I guess there's a couple of fights, you know, like Cal Yafai fights potentially there. Um, at this way, I'm not sure, you know, that the belts may well become, um, you know, fragmented if anyway does vacate. So he could well be, you know, lined up for another shot. Who knows? As for anyway, you know, he's done everything he can at Bantamweight and it's up we go again, you know, up to Super Bantamweight. Uh, immediately, I, I've no doubt that, you know, he doesn't need a warm-up fight going into, you know, up to Super Bantam, in my opinion. He's certainly good enough. Um, and if he does, I mean, is Casemiro still fighting now or not? Yeah, he fought recently in, in oh, South, South Korea, of week. all places. He did mm -hmm. box yeah. last week. So I tell you what, you know, and that was up at Super Bantam, actually. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd like to see that, you know, if he doesn't get, you know, a world title opportunity next, then there's no reason why that Casimiro fight couldn't happen. But I've got to agree with Matty, to be honest. If there's one fight we do want to see, that's uh, in a way against Stephen Fulton. And again, he's a, he's a welcome addition to the Super Bantamweight division. Uh, and the belts will become fragmented at bantamweight. But as expected, really, he's done everything he can. You know, what's the point in him hanging around there? And the likes of Nanito Donaire, you know, Jason Maloney, Manny Rodriguez, you know, they'll ultimately, you know, Gary Rus Antonio Russell, Lee McGregor might, you know, they might look to manoeuvre him to get a, uh, a world title shot. Uh, we'll see a whole host of different fights at that weight. But yeah, um, we certainly saw something a little bit different from anyway on the night but overall um, it ended as a lot of his other fights do in emphatic fashion with the big KO yeah it did now that the belts have uh, kind of fragmented Matty seeing some of the Inua victims fighting it out for the, the breadcrumbs the scraps might might actually produce some decent fights as Inua moves on up talk to me about this Fulton fight then stylistically from a, a stylistic point of view it seems like uh, rather for not really father time within you, but father weight will catch up on him eventually. I think that that will be his biggest enemy and present his biggest challenge. And Fulton is a real high octane, very very fast guy. Of course, he's with the PBC. Inua is tentatively linked for for all the good they do for him with top rank. Um, would they let him go over to the PBC to fight Fulton? Would would Fulton come over in return? That could be a potential roadblock. But it does seem to me like the the fight to make those two. How do you think? How would you see that playing out stylistically, Fulton and Inua? You know, that one just intrigues me a whole lot because I think at the end of the day, it comes down to um, 
if if Inouye can find the space to put his punches together and if his power can bother Fulton. Because we've seen Fulton box at distance. He's going to have a height and reach advantage over Inouye. But we've also seen him uh, fight inside and do it capably, uh, both against Angelo Leo uh, and Brandon Figueroa. And, and we've seen him against a very big uh, super bantamweight in Brandon Figueroa, too. So I, I don't feel like he can be outmanned. I, I feel like he's going to have to be tagged cleanly. And it, it's going to be basically a, a battle of uh, Stephen Fulton and his physical advantages against uh, Noah Inouye and his ability to put his punches together and, and, and possibly find that sweet spot. It, it, it'll be a very... I, I think it's going to be basically a high-speed chess match is how you describe this one. It's going to be good. It is indeed a high-speed chess match. Um, chess chess boxing, actually, Matty. Was that you throwing in the, the chess boxing link? Do you want to <laughs> let the people at home know what this monstrosity is all about? I still don't quite understand how it works and how it scores with both of them going on, but I know <laughs> there's two guys and they play chess for a period of time and then they put away the board and they fucking slap on some fucking gloves and they and they go to war and they're they're terrible boxers i assume they must be better chess players than they are boxers but if you're a fan of chess and and boxing well i, I guess they found your fucking niche and and cornered your portion of the market because yeah they play chess and and then they punch it out D- did you watch that video and see that little yeah. dude fucking knock out uh, the big yeah, guy I did. I did. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a very, it's a quickly growing sport. Apparently, it might, it might be the new pickleball. Well, boxing and chess does have uh, links from the past. I know a few, a lot of the Cubans used to play chess, and Lennox Lewis, where the pugilist specialist himself, uh, liked a game of chess as well. Shout out to Des. He's jumped into the chat. He says, like a lot of British trainers, you couldn't tell me his best three wins. He's talking about Joe G. Joe G is brilliant at domestic level, but not beyond that. The Ring Magazine Trainer of the Year. Joe Gallagher not able to pull a tune out of Paul Butler, unfortunately. Ryan Chisholm's pulling a tune out the old wallet here, dropping in a couple of pounds. Thank you very much to you, Mr. Ryan. Keep the heating on here at Boxing Asylum Towers. He says, rare time I get to listen live. Keep it up, lads. We'll keep it up as best as we can, Ryan. Thank you very much to you, sir. Just keeping on this kind of uh, weight theme, Matty, I'm going to slide over to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, not only because it sounds like a, a really nice place, but this was where the Showtime card was last night. Obviously, there were fighters of greater reputation on the card but I just start with this Vincent Astrolabio fight against Nikolai Potapov ended because Astrolabio in his last outing defeated Guillermo Rigondo who obviously is a bit of a player at Bantamweight he's fought some of these guys who we've talked about in the past sixth round knockout against Potapov who really just couldn't take the power to head to body he's a bit of a rough diamond this Filipino Uh, he hits hard like his mentor you'll be surprised to hear Manny Pacquiao but he really got stuck into Potapov and he just couldn't do anything with him. I was wondering last week which was the third fight was going to be that fell on the Showtime card. And I was a little bit surprised when this one appeared, but they're actually pretty well matched, these two, even if I wasn't relatively uh, familiar with them, Matt. Yeah, and, and Potapov is, was coming off of a fairly long layoff, and I think that definitely uh, gave him some trouble uh, because he's normally pretty durable. I think they said that was the first time he'd been down his career. I, I think he, he did have a, a retirement stoppage, but that was on a stool, I think, maybe because of injury. But Astrolabio is really coming up. Uh, you know, he hasn't uh, hasn't lost in about five, six fights now. He's got that win over Rigondeaux. Uh, and uh, here he is uh, scoring another win against a very durable uh durable guy and, and and taking him out like this that uppercut was a hell of a good weapon for him uh pot of pop just could not find an answer for it as he was trying to get low and he just worked right into it 
Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, Australavio is definitely a dark horse in in uh, in, in the in the division right now. That was an eliminator uh, for the IBF. So we'll see where, where he goes from here. But uh, showing that that wasn't just kind of a one off against uh, against an aging and faded Rigando. Um, showing that he's a pretty quality fighter, uh, definitely capable. And uh, those uppercuts, um, that is a quality weapon. Yeah, as Matt Butter says in there, he's echoing Matty's sentiments. There really were some good uppercuts. Potapov had some decent combinations. He did. He threw well. He boxed as well as he could, but he just couldn't handle the power. And he kept going down. And in the, in the end, the referee, Potapov, and his corner just had enough and pulled him out of there. Uh, some of the other we managed to get to see a little bit of it. Uh, in between the fights, Omar Juarez with a 10-man points win over Austin DeLay. Looked like a pretty decent scrap, that. Background Mertazaliev, who's 20-0. He's been brought on quite well by the PBC. Uh, got an eight-round victory as well. Elijah Lorenzo Garcia, a bit of a prospect, this kid, in some quarters. He's from Glendale, Arizona. 13-0 now with 11 knockouts. He absolutely iced Cruz Stewart. So keep an eye on Garcia. A few people who know the sport are picking him to be a bit of a prospect of the future. Uh, Kenneth Sims Jr. beat the amazingly named Rock Doddler Myrtle uh, with a fifth-round knock- knockout as well. We mentioned Ray Ray Robinson last week. He got a debut win over Victor Saravia. And forget about Floyd Mayweather. It's all about Robert Merriweather III with a first-round stoppage win over the debutant Jaden Salway. On up the card in that one, Matty. Jose Uskatagi going in against Vladimir Shishkin. I went for Shishkin on points. Thought he worked the jab really well. He did tire as the fight went on. He managed to stay out the way of the big right hand. A lot of urgency from Sugar Hill Stewart in the corner, telling him to up the game, get this kid out of there. I thought what he was doing was pretty pretty good, actually. He managed to box conservatively. Whenever he threw the double jab, the right hand, and then the left hook, Uskatagi hadn't really got an answer for it. And he's a bit of a wild man, Uskatagi. We know about his two fights with Durrell, but... He's kind of found his level over the years, and this is a solid enough win for Shishkin. Yeah, I thought it was uh, definitely a solid win, and and I thought that maybe go go that going in that maybe Uskatagi uh, is shot, but I wouldn't say that. There's definitely still something there. Uh, he still has some speed, put his uh, punches together well at times, landed some good hard shots as well. I think Shishkin's got a pretty decent chin, but uh, so does Uskatagi. Uh, Shish, Shishkin landed some excellent combinations in there. Um, he's, uh, he, he's got, uh, he, you know, I'd kind of think you might explain to him like a poor man's Beevil in a way he's, he puts his punches together really well from that upright stance, but not as well. And his footwork isn't up to that kind of level, but, but if you're, you know, if you're thinking you're looking for some sparring and you're going to fight Dimitri Beevil, um, I think going in with Vladimir Shishkin wouldn't be a bad idea whatsoever. Um, but he, he, he did well. This was an entertaining fight at times. Um, it was a little sloppy at moments too, but rounds eight and nine, I think if anybody didn't catch these, this fight, uh, eight and nine, I, I think are, are worth the price of admission alone. Um, really good, uh, rounds there. Um, uh, but Shishkin, uh, is definitely going to be moving up in 168 pounds. Uh, it's, uh, definitely a potential opponent for David Morrell. Um, mm. as they're looking at kind of moving him around there. So, um, all in all, though, this was a, a, a reasonably entertaining fight, despite the definite one-sided start uh, from Shishkin. Um, it, it evolved into a pretty entertaining scrap down the stretch. Yeah, Matt Butters says in the chat there, uh, boxed well, did Shishkin, composed fight, very accurate with the one-two. Um, we will be moving on to the Sky card shortly, but we'll go through Showtime first of all. Before we go on to the main event, just a quick word on the fight you mentioned there, Matty, which uh, could be coming up soon, David Morrell was in the audience looking very smart. He's only had a few fights. Shishkin's only had a few fights. They've both been matched relatively tough. 
um, considering, which is good. It'd be a, a real action fight. You'd have to pick Morel, I suppose, uh, given what we've seen of both of them. I think he might be too fast and um, maybe too accurate as the fight went on for Shishkin. As you said, he, he's like Bivol light. He's a little bit more of a flat-footed kind of Bivol. He does the things without the agility and the ability to move out of the range of the shots. And I think he'd be there for Morel to hit, but I don't think he'd go down easily either. It might well be a distance fight, and he would cause a lot of problems. In his last fight, Morel was putting a beating on poor old Yerbos Anuli, but as the fight went on, he really was kind of struggling at times to get him out of there. So I think Morel against Shishkin stylistically would be a real explosive matchup of two punches. But I'd favor Morel, Matty. What about you? I, I definitely would favor Morel too. Um, although I think Shishkin um, would provide an interesting test as well. And, and I mean, you never know. I mean, they're they're two uh, two young fighters as far as the uh, length of their professional careers goes. So. Um, It'd be a fight where, um, you know, we would definitely learn something about both fighters and maybe there's something we don't know about them that proves to be the difference maker. Um, on, the, on the subject of Morel, though, uh, they did say that his opponent, uh, Yar- Yarba Hanala, however you pronounce that, uh, it's kind of like Alam Hanala and all that, but <laughs> they said that he, he did recover walking, talking again. They were able to get him on a flight back home. So his, his health is intact, more or less. Um, it, we're not looking at an Abdusalamov situation with that young man. So I'm um, glad to hear that. And I uh, hope he has a, a fantastic holiday season with his family back home. Yeah, well said, Matty. That was quite the beating he took and a lot of concern for him with the blood clot and everything. So the fact that he's walking, at least, obviously, you wouldn't imagine he'd ever fight again. But, I mean, he, he, was, he was in some you know, really, really bad condition. So it's good that your boss Anuli is up and walking. Talking of finding out things about fighters in the main event, we certainly found out a lot about both of them. Even Michelle Rivera, who was on the, the losing end of a 12-round decision to Frank Martin, the ghost, uh, scores of 120-107. Uh, 117, 110 and 118, 109, exemplifying his dominance. He dropped Rivera in the seventh. I was talking to a friend of the pod, Declan Graffin, earlier, and he was uh, he had money on the stoppage uh, for, for Martin. So he really thought after that seventh, when he put him down, that he was going to put the foot down, hopefully, and, and get him out of there. And I thought that's what would happen as well. But to his credit, uh, Rivera, he just uh, planted the feet gritted down, bit down on the gum shield and lasted the distance because it was becoming really one-sided as, as the fight went on, Matty. Martin up the years a lot like Errol Spence is promoted, but I thought he showed a lot of Terence Crawford's very elusive. Difference. What to like about Frank definitely punch as well. I think he really came out um, like a few that I expect him to be. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, Steve. I was. If there's one thing that I could say about Frank Martin coming out of that fight. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of poise he has. There's uh, just tremendous ability in, in the way he puts his shots together. Uh, he goes up, he goes down. Uh, definitely a lot of great attributes. But the thing that stood out to me the most in this stacked 135-pound uh, division with uh, Lomachenko's skills diminishing um, fight by fight, I got to tell you that I think that he has probably the best uh the, the best uh, the foot foot movement in all of the lightweight division right now. Uh, he, he, he's got great speed. He, he moves around, cuts angles. Well, uh, definitely a lot of quality there. And, and uh, you know, you've got him 
and Keyshawn Davis coming up as well. Um, it's a shame there with different promotional outfits because this 135-town division just becomes more and more stacked all the time. And, yeah, some people are going to be evacuating to 140 pounds shortly. Um, but uh, but I even then, there's a lot to take their place. And you just hope that the, the talent that's coming up uh, does end up facing the talent that is already existing at 135 pounds. And, and they don't find a generational gap on that one where they, they just don't ever run into each other. Cause there are so many mouthwatering matchups to be made at 135 pounds right now. It, it'll just, it just blow your brains out. It's, it, it's incredible. And uh, I, we're looking at tank against Ryan Garcia coming up here soon. Um, and hopefully uh, more and more of these fights get made because it's a hot division with tremendous talent. Um, and hopefully we see Lomachenko against Haney as well. Um, but yeah, and Frank Martin, he's a new entrant in that category because uh, Rivera is a very good fighter. Don't kid yourself. Um, but he uh, ultimately, uh, Martin did time that jab, took it away from Rivera. Didn't get the finishing shot with the hook like I had, I had thought that he might be able to do. But nonetheless, uh, ex exceptional fighter, uh, exceptional performance, and uh, just very excited to see where he might go from here. Absolutely. It'd be interesting to see where we go from here. Hopefully between the throat and the internet, everybody can uh, hear me. Am I sending any better? Matty, you're still on the robotic side. That was better. Yes. Oh, good. That's great. Fiber optic broadband's in the area, everybody. So hopefully we'll have uh, more than a 56k connection uh, very shortly. That's what they're promising us anyway. Uh, Martin, sixth in the world on BoxRec. Where did he fit in, Matty? To the kind of guys around him, your Cruises, your Nakathillas, your Jermaine Ortiz might be an interesting kind of one, uh, Giovanni Cabrera as well. We've seen him recently, Zor Abdulayev. What would you like to do with Martin next at 135? I think that I would, uh, you know, I, I could definitely see him in, in, in a lot of different fights. Um, uh, Ortiz, uh, I, I think that, that's, a, that's a good fight. Um, with Ortiz deserving something coming off that loss to Lomachenko again, you don't know if he's tied top rank or how that's going to work out there. Um, I would, I'll tell you what though, him against uh, uh, against uh, Isak Cruz, that that's a quality fight there, and I would definitely take him to beat Isak though. But that's a, that's a good stepping stone. Um, it's someone that has the fight against Gervonta Davis that you can do a little compare and contrast with. Um, so, yeah, if, if if I'm PBC, I'm thinking I'm going to make uh, Martin against Isak Cruz next. Martin against Isak Cruz on the PBC. Just to remind you, you are listening to the Boxing Asylum Nuthairs podcast, episode 504, Depleted Panel, but we're here still throwing punches as best as we can. Steve, that's me. Matt is here. Ozzy's here as well to talk about the Sky card. We'll go on to that shortly. Uh, first of all, let's have a look through the chat, see who's hanging around in there, which degenerates are swimming in the pond life for the chat, avoiding the Browns here with us. Good evening to you, sir. Or madam, indeed. Matt Butters is here as well. David Joyce. Have a look. Dares. We've got Mark Stanton. Uh, Jim McDonald Boxing. Budju B. Uh, Michael Thompson. That's Mikey T. Darts legend Chris Mason's here as well. Good evening to you, Chris. Uh, ben Russell. Shout out. Ryan Ormrod. A member of the Nutters group. Uh, we've got MB. We've got Johnny Horsecock Nelson as Yoni. Uh, Adam Hughes. Is with us as we scroll on up, see who's hanging around. Who else have we got here? Uh, any new names? Any new people? Albert Ross. We see Albert from time to time as well. Well, to you, number one. M. Lithgow, 1983. Uh, a couple more before we move on to the Sky Card. Chris Billum Smith, bit of Dan Aziz. Uh, Sarah Beck's here. Good evening to you, Sarah. Sarah. And who else have we got thrown in? Oh, Chase Athletics as well. Shout out to you, Chase Athletics, our American correspondent. 
Over into Bournemouth and Aussie, the Bournemouth International Centre. Benjamin Shalom is the promoter. We'll go by fight by fight, shall we? Um, first of all, clash of the big heavyweights here. A couple of big lumps. Uh, can't fight for Toffee, but it was bound to be exciting. Steve Robinson, uh, Ivan Drago himself, fourth round KO over the big, stiff idiot Nick Campbell. Uh, it was a fun fight, this. Put them together, £20 difference. Uh, got banged out, Mr Campbell. What did you think of it? Um, I thought it was a big upset, actually. Um, we saw that Steve Robinson and... Well, he's, he's just not looked good at all, has he? Um, when he's had a couple of opportunities on Sky, a bit of a following, um, lost to that, you know, a bit of a just an unknown journeyman who, who hasn't boxed since, actually. Um, even Ben Jalom just said people were laughing at him, taking the piss. So he's got this other opportunity. Nick Campbell, I think he's he was a bit of a bit of an amateur type of thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from think so yeah anyway yeah just thought Campbell won the first couple of rounds pretty convincingly but he just looked knackered absolutely shattered and the one thing that Robinson can do is punch and yeah um, I thought the stoppage was fair to be honest seen a couple of people saying it was early but Campbell was done you know exhausted taking big shots and and fair play to him you know like it just proves that you know an early loss doesn't mean it's game over. Do I see any of them going on to the great heights of world level? Absolutely not. But, you know, they might get around, you know, compete for English, British titles, that sort of stuff. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the rematch happens straight away, uh, but it could well happen up in Newcastle if they go back to, um, if Boxer are there next year. But yeah, pretty, pretty fun little shootout, wasn't it? You know, two relatively evenly matched heavyweights, not the best of standards, but... It, it doesn't always need to be. And yeah, great win for uh, for Robinson, who certainly probably put a few doubters to close the mouths for at least uh, the next couple of fights, to say the least. Also on that undercard, Ozzy, uh, Michael McKinson, um, he got in a sort of standard six-rounder. Caroline Dubois looks like an impressive female prospect, actually. She puts her shots yeah. together really nicely. She's a she's a good puncher as well. And Corey Gibbs in our fight that we were keeping eye on 17 and 0 against old Jimmy First. First to the shots here with his opponent constantly yeah. losing his gum shield. That was completely bizarre. Yeah, yeah well, I, I didn't see the McKinson fight, but um, he was in just a pretty standard run-out, to be honest. I um, thought Dubois looked excellent, you know. But she was clearly bigger than her opponent. But, you know, take her from her debut where she struggled with, you know, uh, an opponent of lesser quality. And she went the distance. You know, she's teamed up with Shane McGuigan and, you know, she looks the real deal. You know, got power. Like you say, puts her shots well together. There's no fucking about with her, is there? Uh, I think, you know, she'll probably, I think she's stepping up to an eight rounder early next year. Uh, and then, yeah, they'll, they'll look to progress her, keep going through the levels. But, yeah, she looks the real deal. And as well, it, it, what is a rarity is she's a female fighter that brings knockouts. There's not many of them around, um, in all honesty. Uh, so, yeah, loads to like. And then Jimmy first, yeah. I thought a deserved winner, to be, in my opinion, a, 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 a worthy winner. Um, I did watch the fight in a pub last night, but for me... It was just his relentless pressure that Gibbs just didn't have a clue what to do. You know, he knocked the gum shield out of his mouth. Gibbs kept, you know, like spitting it out as well. And I think that was a bit of a get out thing, you know, trying to buy time, seconds, mm. get, a, you know, get a bit of a break, you know, get his win back. And yeah, a fully deserved win. I mean, a really odd story with um, with Jimmy First, isn't it? You know, 41, 14 and 0, Central Area champion. You know, fair dues to him. You know, he, he's took a punt, gone in the away corner, and, and yeah, 
beat a big, you know, prospect um, who, you know, Gibbs won that, you know, that boxer tournament that they did. I think one of the first ones, you know, he won that. And yeah, he's really upset the apple cart. So I've no doubt he'll get other opportunities. You know, there's a bit of a story behind him, isn't there? And, and to be honest, for domestic level, he's not actually that bad. You know, he's got, I'm not, he's not a big puncher, but he's got enough, you know, to hurt people. But he's clearly a fit bloke. And anyone who brings that sort of pressure, you know, particularly at the lower levels, you know, even at the higher levels, but let's be realistic of where he's at. Um, He's always going to cause problems if you can't keep him off you. He wasn't deterred by Gibbs's power and he just kept coming forward. So, yeah, you know, probably the story of the night, to be honest, you know, in terms of, you know, a bit of background and something a little bit different. So, yeah, I've no doubt he'll certainly get other opportunities. And then the uh, the main event itself, Billum Smith mm-hmm. against, I forget the opponent's name, but yeah, fun fight, really. Um, you know, I thought it was a bit of a mismatch, to be honest, but then... Um, I was watching the pre-fight build-up, and McGuigan um, and a couple of other lads spoke about the uh, the Masternak fight and how he had Masternak wobbled. Um, now he, he did ended up getting knocked out, but I thought, well, Masternak's a big lump and has a decent chin, so he must clearly be able to dig, you know, and can cause problems um, if he's hurting somebody like that. And look, Billum Smith got uh, got hurt last night and was definitely buzzed, but what he did do well. Um, is he bounced back and then produced, I think, the knockout of the year. Fantastic, brutal knockout. Um, obviously hoping that the you know the opponent is fine. I think he is. But yeah, what an impressive knockout it was. And the guy you know, just put his shots well together. And you know, Billum Smith he's by no means, you know, um, you know, I, th- I think, you know, world level maybe a step too far. But there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, let's have it right. I think when he turned over, he was happy if he won a Commonwealth title. He's now won Commonwealth British. Uh, I think he might have won an English title, European. You know, so he is more than a worthy challenger now to go and get an opportunity for a world title. He's ranked highly. I he wants three to retire next. Probably... Yeah, yeah. They're looking to bring him over to the UK next year, fight him at, um, at you know, at Bournemouth Stadium. I think it's the Vitality you know, every chance, you know, Sky, you know, Billum Smith, you know, if he's, you know, he sold out that Bournemouth Arena last night by all accounts. So, it's yeah, you know. It's a good venue, got... that, you know. I like that it venue. Is, you know, I've, I've always said it's like uh, with Warren going back to Telford and stuff like that. You don't need to be in these massive, you know, like arenas, stadiums type of things, you know, to have a good atmosphere. Sometimes, you know, three and a half, four thousand in a five thousand seat stadium is better than four thousand being in a twelve thousand seat stadium, but having the black curtains out. You know, it's good to see, you know, promoters trying different areas. I mean, you know, pre Billum Smith, I couldn't tell you the last time any promoter went to Bournemouth, really. And, you know, they've got to do it now, you know. There isn't that many big names to go and sell out all these, you know, huge arenas in the UK, you know, like uh, the M- the Manchester Arena, O2, Wembley, that sort of stuff. So it's good to see, and, you know, there was a decent atmosphere there last night. So, yeah, he wants Opatea, completely different, you know, like levels. But, you know, ultimately, you know, he's got to, he can clearly dig Billum Smith. I mean, look, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, the fight if it gets made when it does. But you know they're only that can only happen next, if they're eyeing up a football stadium in Bournemouth. That's only going to be next summer, um, so it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was a magnificent card 
by Sky last night. But there's a couple of fun fights on it. The main event, Dubois, and obviously Jimmy First, who, like I said, for me, was the story of the night. A quick word, Ozzy, before we go over to uh, Matty on Billum Smith on Dan Aziz. Uh, chipped away against Rocky oh, Fielding. Yeah, I thought, okay, I thought, yeah. Fielding, I thought, yeah, fit, sorry, I thought Fielding, was, Fielding was very, very passive, I thought. He really was. Yeah, I, I forgot about that fight, actually. Yeah, um, another, you know, I thought Dan Aziz looked, you know, two levels above. I thought Fielding, you know, missed weight, but looked heavy as well. Didn't look good, you know, for a guy who was at 168 previously. You know, he looked... He looked like he bombed the weight, basically, and just was, you know, the fact that he didn't even want to lose a pound when the British title was on the line tells me that, was his heart really in it? Was he just seeing what was there? What did he have left? And the answer is not a lot. Aziz just beat him up, bust him up, and the stoppage was right. And, you know, there was no complaints from Jamie Moore, Nigel Travis or Rocky Fielding. I think he was just there just to see what he had left. Uh, and when you're putting in performances like that, I think it's time, you know, and I think Fielding will probably do the same. He'll call quits on his career. As for Aziz, you know, there's there's ways of beating opponents. You know, it would have been easy for him to labour, you know, to a points win, you know, you know, but, oh, yeah, I've got the win over Rocky Fielding. But actually, he bust him up in pretty decent fashion. And it was more his performance that was impressive rather than, you know, it being a, a fantastic win, if that makes sense. Um, it was the way he dismantled him that was, you know, was good. And he's going to be a difficult guy to beat, particularly domestically. You know, he, he puts his shots well together. He's got power. He's got, he's got an engine. You know, there's a lot to like about him. There was talk about the Lyndon Arthur fight, you know, happening early next year, potentially. That's a fight I definitely want to see. Why not? You know, a good domestic fight. So, yeah, Aziz, you know, the building and, you know, not a bad little stable boxer. You know, they've got some decent, you know, the likes of Billum Smith, Aziz, you know, the fight is that you can, you not necessarily have a massive headliner, but if you get, you know, three or four of these blokes on the card, you know, Sam, you know, put Dubois on there as well, you know, you can build decent cards without, you know, having like a, a massive name and then a poor undercard underneath. You've actually probably got a better card with more depth because, you know, some of your fighters just aren't, you know, main mainstream fighters yet so and so they yeah should impressive. do that the, like those the 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 uh, people Man. who are putting out the content should give us yeah. like two of those cards a month and then a big name card and the undercard might be shit whatever it's it's a main yeah. event attraction yeah. give I, us I've always... that in in, yeah. in, in in build up regional stars just like they do yeah. Terrence Crawford in Nebraska and you guys have way way more local appeal than we do in the United States cuz i mean and it's all yeah. that that football club culture and shit like that and and why they're not grabbing onto that more and building mm -hmm. regional stars with you know, whatever records is beyond me because there's plenty of money to be made in these places. 5,000 people in a, in a place and it's sold out. That means everyone yeah. wanted to be there. Yeah, I, I agree, particularly a week before Christmas as well, you know, which, you know, given the cost of living crisis in the UK at the moment, you know, to go and sell that arena out, you know, is, is a decent achievement. And, you know, I completely agree, but there is, I, I think there is pressure from the TV companies to get, um, try and get you know big stars quickly and you've not for me you don't have the time like you used to to build fighters you know going through the levels i would happily you know like sky might well do it with adam azim but again you know it's difficult being you know, there is too many for me there's too many shows that take place in london for a start 
you know, if you look at Matchroom, you look at Queensbury and you look at Boxer, the majority of their shows will take place in the capital rather than spreading it around and things like that. And I would rather see, you know, you know, it doesn't always work, you know, for, you know, because, you know, the size of arenas that are available. But in Manchester, you know, Mark Heffron, for example, he's from Oldham. If, if you were to box him in Oldham, he could do 2,000 tickets comfortably. There's just no arena that is suitable. Now, in Manchester, the only thing you've got is the MEN arena. That's 20,000. You, it, there is there is a, a difficulty, you know, of small arenas, you know, from where that they hold five and six thousand. But I would rather see that. Go and headline a card with, you know, like a British title, but then you know have like area title fights on it, English title fights. I've always said that, you know, boxing fans are easily pleased if the content is competitive. Now, not every fight that you make will, which will look good on paper, will produce the goods. But that's not the promoter's fault. That. At least they can say that, look, we've matched two guys, the styles didn't gel. That happens, that that is sport. But what we don't want to see is, you know, just constant mismatches. When you see, you know, like decent prospects and we've just garbage journeymen who come over and don't care. And there is, you know, I, I, I think, you know, TV have got a part to play in it because they want to rush people through. But I, I completely agree with you that, that there is, there's money to be made, A, in small arenas, but B, building people. So, like, Warren is doing it with Liam Davis in Telford. He's taken him there. You know, he's headlined twice there now. He beat Mark Leach, and then he's beat Ironot Baluta now. British title, European title. Go and build him there, you know, for a few more fights, you know. Defend that British title, a couple of um, European title a couple of times. And then when it's the time to step up, it's, you might be able to move on to, you know, like an arena in Birmingham that holds 10,000 or something. Do it the right way. Rather than, you know, for example, they did John Ryder, Zach Parker at the O2. Now, it didn't help that there was fucking three shows on, TV shows on in London that week. And there was probably about 2,000 people there. You know, like, it, it just kills it. You know, the atmosphere is flat when it is all, you know, curtained off. And, you know, there's ways to do it. And people will follow suit. The biggest mistake I ever think in British, but one of them, you know, like with Warren, was he was building Liam Williams in uh, Wales. You know, he, he sold out an arena um, against Ahmet Patterson, who Patterson, you know, later pulled out on fight week. But again, was doing huge numbers and then never went back to Wales. And it was like, mate, you have got a ticket seller there. You have got an area that is untouched. No other promoter goes there because there wasn't that many Welsh fighters knocking around. And you don't go there. You're going to put Williams on somewhere else. And it just makes no sense at all. And, you know, we talk about it and it seems a piece of piss. Yet again, I look where the first show is, you know, next year you've got, um, you've got, what's it called? Um, Anthony Yard, Arta Bertabiev in London again. Where is Liam? You've got Liam Smith, Eubank Jr. Is that at the is that at the Manchester Arena? So that's good. So that's something a little bit different. You then have Taylor Catterall, which again is in Scotland. But the one thing is, is that Taylor will sell in Scotland. Yard, I get, is a London lad. But then you've got Smith, who's a scouser. Eubank Jr.'s, um, you know, from Brighton. But then again, Matchroom haven't announced any shows yet. But then, you know, you were looking at some of the cards and they've got already lined up Wembley Arena. The O2, two London ones. They might take Lee Wood to Nottingham, potentially. 
you know, the, the, for me, if you want to build fan bases, you can't expect everybody to travel to the capital every time. You know, there's a lot of fans who want to watch boxing, but they're not all Southern-based. You know, there's some decent arenas, the Echo, you know, ones in Birmingham, even the smaller ones. They're ready, they're available. Take fighters there, build them properly, and then when you go to the bigger shows these lads will start bringing 3,000 with them because people have followed him, you know, from the small, smaller hall in inverted brackets, but on telly mm. to the big time. Yep. No, well said. Well said, Matty. By you as well uh, in the Omaha, Nebraska scene last weekend. What about the knockout from Billum Smith? i tell you what, it was an absolute cracker, wasn't it? When you see someone just go down in instalments, head banging off the canvas, that was a late contender for fighter of the year. And I'll tell you what about Billum Smith as well. He's a tough guy. He had to come back from a real... He was he was buzzed in that second round. He had to hold on. He, the crowd got behind him and pulled him through. But he showed quite a, diff, a lot of assets to his game, but especially punching power, Matt. All I saw that fight was the knockout. I uh, I didn't get a chance to catch anything else. I had to catch up with the 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 uh, DAZN card today. But that was a that was a great shot. Uh, kind of a delayed reaction. He he stood him up and head shook around a bit, and then flat on his ass. It was uh, I I, I am a, a lover of the great uppercuts, and that that is definitely among them. I don't know if that's going to be the knockout of the year for me. Definitely a great shot. Um. It's uh, I it, if we're talking like year end awards here, I, I kind of almost think that Lee Wood a, against Mick Conlon is going to sweep a lot mm-hmm. of what I'm looking at there. I mean, because that knockout, knocking him out of the ring, and and it being the deciding factor of the fight, there's just it, there's just a lot of different uh, uh, different uh, ac- accentuating points around that knockout that just makes that stoppage so uh, so good. But that uh, it's definitely in the top five of this year. There there have been some great knockouts this year. Yeah, it was an absolute cracker of a knockout. David Palmer's throwing in a five pen super chat. He's in the Nutters group and the Patreon as well. Uh, David, so thank you very much for that. I am going to throw that question over to Ozzy, but, but just before we do so, Matt, um, rather than talking about uh, CBS, Chris Billum-Smith against the likes of Akoli or React Paul, you can talk about that if you wish, but I'm thinking more about Jay Opataya, who you mentioned earlier. We've only really seen him against Brady, so it was an excellent performance. He got badly damaged, so we don't know how long he's going to be out for. Judging from that Brady's performance, you would imagine he beats the likes of Billum Smith. But we have to see, I'm a man, a great manager, you know, Matty, for consistency. We've only really seen that at the highest level from Opataya. But you would imagine that he would have enough to beat Billum Smith if he were to come over and defend his title in Bournemouth. I would think so. Um, someone in the Nutters group uh, uh, compared uh, Opataya to Joe Lewis. I'm not prepared to go as far. But that was the Dr. FMG, was it? I think so. Yeah, we, I, th- should, I think it might have. It, it, I, if we if we must, if we must, and maybe we'll end up having egg on our face, and maybe we'll end up being one of the great cruiserweights and move up to heavyweight, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm at least willing to say that I, from what I saw from Opataya, like I think that at the very least he's an A minus level fighter, and I think you know Williams Smith is probably in that B kind of category. So you you'd think he might be able to put up a good shot. He's always got a puncher's chance, obviously. Dude can bang. But uh, Opataya has a very good uh, combination of size, skill, uh, punching power, and athleticism that I think is going to make him really tough to beat in this uh, cruiserweight division. That 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 win over Bradis, uh, I mean, uh, he wasn't a huge underdog with the books, but I think that was one of the bigger statement victories of the year for any fighter. 
Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, on to this question then from David Palmer Oz. Uh, he says, how does the British cruiser, uh, Cruiserweight division play out? How does Chris Billum-Smith do against the Coley, Riakpo in a rematch? Which of these fights happen? I think both of these fights are pretty dangerous for Billum Smith because he is tough and he can definitely punch, but he does like leaving his chin out to dry it sometimes and getting involved in a bit of a scrap. And I think that's meat and drink to two massive punchers, especially Riakpo, who likes to get rid of people. And Akoli, who's shown that real accuracy, that devil lately um, under Shane McGregor. Yeah, well, the Akoli fight wouldn't happen because they, they're part of the same camp. Mm-hmm. So it's kind oh, yeah, of pointless. I've never even thought about that. Is, yeah, yeah. It's literally kind of a bit pointless in talking about something like that, unless one of them leaves, which I think is incredibly well. Akoli's technically left um, McGuigan at the moment because he's moved out to Dubai, but he's clearly got a lot of promotional issues going on at the moment, which, you know, kind of. But I think if he wants to come back to the UK, he'll go straight back to McGuigan. But Akoli would beat Billum Smith, and I think he'd knock him out as well. The React Pole fight, I think, is a lot more is a lot closer. Um, you know, I thought they had a pr- pretty close fight first time round, and I think a few people thought that Billum Smith beat React Pole. Um, you know, the one thing I've liked about React Pole is since he's come back, and again, he had managerial issues which kept him, um, you know, kept him out of the ring for a little while. Is that he's stepped through, gone through the the levels quite quickly. I think they're going to fight, uh, announce a fight next week, um, which will be taking place next year for him to box Glowacki, which again is another good step up. And I think if you compare it to the levels, you know, Billum Smith's operating at, I don't think that, I mean, it's a bit different in terms of they want Billum Smith to get that world title shot, but I don't see <clears throat> them putting like Billum Smith in with like a Glowacki. Uh I think at the moment I'd have to probably face, um, sorry, face, side with Riakpo in this one. But again, with the power that um, Billum Smith showed, he's legit got a chance against pretty much anybody. Because like I said, that wasn't, you know, just, you know, knocking out a complete bum as such, you know, like, you know, someone who just looks a level below. Um, He was hurt, you know, he'd been hanging on the round before or a couple of rounds before, and showed that he's got that power and can still produce it after he's been hurt. But yeah, I think you probably side with React Paul, but um, but it's close. Uh, whereas Akoli, um, look, they're not going to fight, but I, I see Akoli as, you know, like a level above any other uh, domestic cruiserweight comfortably. I, I'd even go as far as saying that Akoli's probably the best cruiserweight in the world. It, yeah, I think so. Speak, speaking of your domestic cruiserweights, I got a question for you guys. I was trying to pin this fight the other day, and and I just I I don't think I could quite do it. But it was an absolute shit show of either a cruiserweight fight or a light heavyweight fight with you guys. And for some reason, I'm thinking it was Oville McKenzie against Enzo Macronelli, where they like rang the bell like a minute early in one of the rounds, and then it was a quick stoppage. Yeah, them they did fight, but it wasn't the wasn't the early bell. In the Macronelli Shane McPhilbin fight, something maybe. tells me. Oz, maybe so. you can remember that one. Like I, I remember it was an absolute shit show. Like, and uh, it was like maybe so blatant. Was the McKenzie fight wait, not wait. an early stoppage by Ian John Lewis? Was that not the problem there? When you beat Enzo Mac? Yeah, that was yeah. that was the McKenzie fight, wasn't it? Ian John Lewis jumped in, and it, it was like so. Enzo yeah. Macronelli was covered up on the ropes. Um, McKenzie was just winging the big shots in like he does, and then from nowhere, um, 
John Lewis just jumped in and then McInerney looked up and went, like, what are you doing? And you could tell he and John Lewis just apologised and said he'd got it wrong. And the, there was an immediate rematch and then McInerney knocked him out. Yeah, the fight he's referring to was Shane McPhilbin <clears throat> against McInerney in Wolverhampton. Oh, the bell was rang 40 seconds early as well. So we were trying to work out which was which. That's right, yeah. Yeah, McPhil- McPhilbin had him like 10 shades of fucked up in that round, I think. And then I think Macronelli might have came back and stopped him in the next round, but it was like such blatant fucking It, it was on Box Nation, I think, that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was, yeah. Well, back in the heyday of Box Nation, there were some good fucking fights then. Because you guys had fun, like, light heavyweight cruiserweight around that time, and you had that killer lightweight scene around that time, too, where they weren't necessarily world level, but you had a bunch of guys that were competitive with each other. Yeah, Chris Mason. It was at the it was at the Civic Hall in Wolverhampton. Yeah, that's right. That's where I'm from originally, Matt. Have you ever been to Wolverhampton? No, I've n- I've never been out of the country, so no, I have never vivid- visited the <laughs> lovely Wolverhampton. Well, whenever you decide to leave America, maybe that could be the first uh, destination on your list. Well, we need to find a place for all of us to get. To- if I go that far, you guys can at least fucking make your way to fucking somewhere that I am in the area, couldn't you? I mean, yeah. if I come thousands of miles, you guys could travel a few hundred, I reckon, from your various places. We find somewhere mutually agreeable. Oh, yeah. We'll meet up with you, Matty. Don't worry. Okay. All right, boys, let's move on. It's five to nine. We're still going. We're doing the best we can to get through here. It's almost Christmas. It's nice and cold. I bet it's not cold where you are, Matty, is it? Yes, it is kind of cold right now. Um, I, I'm not good at the Celsius Fahrenheit conversions, but uh, on Wednesday and Thursday of this coming week, it is supposed to be below zero Fahrenheit here, which is, uh, I don't know, fucking 40 below Celsius. I don't know, something. <laughs> yeah. We, we get you, don't we? we? We're with you. We're with you. It, yeah, yeah it, M. Lithio says we're having a Christmas Day pod. Maybe not. Maybe not this year. Anyway, on to the final bits and pieces before we move on to next week's action. A few questions, Bell you the weeks, and we shall leave here so, for another week and another year. Yep, don't worry, I've got that one, Matty. Just before we okay. go on to the zone card, um, I was going to mention the Friday evening. Uh, Arslanbek Mahmoudov against Michael Valish for uh, knockout. Valish is a big bum. He shouldn't be in the ring. He's shit. He comes for the payday. He gets absolutely battered. Mahmoudov looks really very basic, like those kind of early 2000s Euro bomb heavyweights. I'm really not impressed with him whatsoever. Uh, Stephen Butler got a good point to win over Joshua Conley as well. As for the zone card that you saw, Matty, and I didn't see, even though we realised that I could have watched it perfectly well and didn't bother my arse, we had Juski Gonzalez against Ivan Cano Garcia. Diego De La Hoya was on as well. And a second round knockout win for Raul Curiel who is no relation to Freddie Curiel, we worked out last week, against Brad Solomon. Where was the value on this zone card? Yeah, I think Raul Curiel is definitely a quality fighter, Steve. Uh, he He's training under Freddie Roach now. He left his father. And I think it was one of those am- amicable leaving things where, like, you know, the dad's a good person and says, "You, I've taken you as far as you can. Let's get you better health. Uh, he, he landed a, a really good uh, 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 jab, uh, uh, left uppercut combination to finish it off. He caught him with a jab, and then Solomon went in the turn, turned right with him, snuck the uppercut in there, and and Solomon was all busted up in the face. Uh, so, yeah, I think Rel Curiel is definitely worth your time. Diego De La Hoya, I think we've been there, done that. You never know if he pulls out a title, maybe, in this age, possibly. He is what he is. He did, he did pretty good, though. Um, Aaron Silva, uh, I'm impressed with this guy. Uh, I, he, he's a pretty solid fighter. I think this was uh, 
168 for some reason. He's a little bit of a short squat guy, but he throws nice tight combinations. He's got some uh, some good punching power. Uh, was able to to drop and stop Alan Compa. Uh, definitely a, a fighter to be looking out for. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a title holder, but you know, I again could make some good fights. He's going to test some young fighters uh, once he finally hits his place. And uh, Josue Gonzalez uh, doing well in that uh, decision over Yvonne Kano. It's something kind of missing with him. I don't know. I uh, can't quite pin it, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, and then uh, decent, this, if there was a decent enough fight, uh, you got uh, Angel Vasquez uh, getting a win over Nick Sullivan in a pretty e- evenly matched fight. Uh, you might want to go back and check that one out. That For entertainment value, I thought that that was pretty decent. And uh, also, uh, Cecilia Brack is finally coming in after almost two years out of the ring, uh, getting a six-round decision over Marissa Portillo. Uh, she looked all right, a little bit slow. Timing's still there. Um, I, I don't know how well she plays anymore. She had those back-to-back losses to uh, Jessica McCaskill. Um, but we uh, we shall see uh, if she's able to make waves in, in uh, the uh, women's fight game uh, going from here. But she's I think she's about 40 years old now. All in all, good evening then. Delahoya puts on pretty well matched cards, even at the lower levels, I always think, Matt. Yeah, they were, you know, they were all, they were all right. At the, it was, it, there were some decently matched fights on there. Um, I, I think that they're having trouble getting some top prospects over there, but the, they seem to be developing a stable again. I wouldn't count Golden Boy out quite yet, um, but it, you're going against the Showtime card um, at the same time, Steve. You had to go for the PBC on this one again. Uh, the PBC just putting on the superior product um, uh, on a card by card basis. It ju- it's just what they do. It's just what they do. Go on, Oscar. You're doing a fantastic job, lads. Right, let's see what's uh, lingering around here in the the depths. Talk about the prediction league, Matty, actually. Um, there's the, the same person seems to be top of your league and the top of the Nutters league as well. What's going on here? There seems to be a theme, Steve, and, and we're not even going to pick this week because uh, you're, you're seven points up. So even if I had two fights to find, uh, you closed it out. So uh, good job for protecting the Boxing Asylum's money, Uh, you you talented bastard, you. Um, We will be going into a different uh, way, doing it next uh, year, doing seasons. So that way, if you decide to jump in the Patreon group and you want to get in in Joe Kennedy's league, you might only have to wait a few weeks until the next season comes about. And uh, we'll be doing four separate seasons uh, and changing up the rules a little bit. Uh, But uh, Mr. Wellings, um, it, it appears they have been spreading nothing but nasty, nasty lies about you for all these years. And, mm-hmm. and we finally have the proof that, that you, you are not the scum of picking fights. That that's me. I, I'm the scum of picking fights, even though I picked Jimmy first. I, I, I ended the year on a W Steve. I ended the year on a W. Yeah, you did. So did Jimmy as well. Um, we also got this in this week. So thanks to everybody who's been listening uh, throughout the year, 2022, uh, uh, snapshot, total listens, total views, 6.6 million watch times. This is only on YouTube as well, by the way. This isn't, doesn't include Spotify and iTunes and all them other places. 6,875 likes, uh, 443 new subscribers. And February was the month with the most views there, Matty. So 242,200 uh, something total views and 6.6 million watch times. Yeah, these sad bastards need to get alive. We're 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 at least as popular as carrots. 
I think, Steve. <laughs> yes, or, or at least worth a carrot, I, I think, at this point in time. So go on. <coughs> Thank you to everyone for all of your support. You guys are fucking awesome. If you guys dropped off, we just wouldn't do this anymore. And uh, But you keep us going week to week to week. Um, and uh, Except for Andy. He's finally petered out. And he's dying. But uh, other than killing Andy, you've done a good job. Well done, everybody. We'll keep going as best as we can tonight. Holt has thrown in a question over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. He says, what do you see Purple Aki in with next? Who do you want to see Purple Aki in with next? He's talking about Daniel Dubois, by the way. He said, I've seen he's fighting a cruiserweight this week in Kevin Lorena. This is from a few weeks ago. Ever since Joyce, Aki's matchmaking has been really been utter dross. Bloody pointless fights against road sweepers. Well, obviously, we know, Ozzy, what happened in the Lorena fight against another road sweeper. He got dropped there multiple times. He has been fighting shit, but he has picked up this belt as well. They're talking about him fighting Alexander Usyk. What's going on with Daniel Dubois at the moment? Because the look of him falling down those three times against Lorena, that, that's a real concern to me. Well, he, uh, it's been revealed that he tore his ACL on that first knockdown. Oh, okay. um, so it, it kind of makes sense, really, that if he... Um, if he what's it called? If he did tear his ACL, you naturally you're, you're going to struggle to put any weight on that leg. And you know, one thing I would say it was a testament to the corner work, but him as well that you know ultimately in that Joyce fight he did look for a bit of a way out. Uh, well, he did obviously. He, I mean, he did have a bad eye injury, but it would have been easy for him to do it again. And I think the second and third knockdowns are more about him taking a knee. And even said like the first time, like, what's wrong with my knee? And that this scan's revealed. So he'll be out for, what, six, seven months as a bare minimum with an ACL injury. Um, I, the one thing I would say is that, yeah, it's not great that, you know, he got caught off Lorena, but I actually didn't think Lorena was a bad opponent, to be honest. You know, let, let's have it right about old Dubois is. Um, forget the belt. But if he was matched, you know, what, what's he had, about 18, 19 fights? I don't mm. think that's that bad of a step up for Lorena, you know, and Lorena has been at heavyweight, you know, for a little while now. And, you know, he's beaten, you know, the initial, you know, gatekeeper type of people, that sort of stuff, you know, you know, your standard heavyweight wins. Is it great? No. But is he the first heavyweight that's taken a shot and been caught early? Absolutely not. Um, I was more impressed in the way that, you know, he bounced back and just bullied the fuck out of uh, Lorena and the way he knocked him out. Um, I thought the stoppage was poor, but at the same time, it would have come early in that next round as well because Lorena was done. Um, so, yeah, it look, I, I don't know who they'll match him with next. There's not a fucking chance it'll be Usyk, that's for sure. Um, absolutely no chance. But um, I think, you know, look, he's got a good team. I, I like McGuigan. I, I really like him. I, I think he's the best trainer in the UK. And I think, you know, look, forget about, you know, the financial irregularities that they've had previously with other fighters. But in terms of, you know, guiding careers, I'd say they're some of the best about. Um, so, yeah, who are they matching with next? I'm not sure. I don't think there's anybody domestically that they'll put him in with. Um, you you know, Oz, no there's a fight coming up in January between Oscar Rivas and F.A. Ajagba. And, and I think that against the winner of that, uh, I, I think that, that that's kind of where I see Is that on a bridge? Is that on a bridge away? I don't know oh, what no. the fuck they're calling it, it, Oz, and I don't know if anyone fucking yeah. cares at the end of the day. I, you know? uh, I would look at getting uh, Dubois in with people like, um, with people like, what's it called? Um, 
you know, Robert Hellenius, you know, someone like that, Adam Kalnaki, you know, they're not brilliant, you know, top world level people, but, you know, they will still present, you know, certain tests, you know, Lorena, I think, you know, beat some, you know, the heavyweight division is not deep. And I think Lorena, you know, has got a part to play, you know, with performances like that. And Dubois is a big puncher as well. That power is legit, you know, and in oh, yeah. that, what's it called? In the, um, in that Joyce fight, he was in that fight. It was incredibly close. You know, let's look at the way Joe Joyce busts Joe Parker up and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that Joyce, you know, defeat, every time Joyce puts in better performances, it actually gets bigger, you know, in terms of actually it's not a bad, you know, it's the way it happened, but he did have a busted eye, but he was well in the fight. Well, um, well I, I guess so I, the question for us is like kind of moving forward. Where it's like, is is uh, Joyce going to turn out to be more like David Tua or George Foreman in, in, in like the big immovable object kind of fighters? It's um, oh, it's tall. I don't know, really. I mean, look, I think he's an hard night's work for anybody. And I think he's... I think it's a terrible fight for Tyson Fury. Mm-hmm. Um, I, re- I, I do really too. do. Yeah, I, I think it's a really difficult fight, and I think he, I think it's, I think he's a, I think he's a hard night's work for anybody. To be honest, you know, he's he's got he's got power. Um, he just he's got a brilliant engine. He just bulldozes his way forward constantly, and and he is getting better as well. I, I enjoyed the Parker fight. I thought he was um, a lot better in that as well. One of the but better heavyweight to... fights since uh, is that was involving Wilder yeah. and Fury in recent Com- memory. Yeah, c- completely agree with that. But yeah, going back to the Dubois thing, I don't think there's any rush with um, Dubois. You know, you forget he, he is a baby. You know what is he? 25 and he's had 20 fights you know and he didn't have loads as an amateur either so you know he's a young heavyweight you know he can potentially only be peaking you know in the next three four years potentially so you know i I think there's fights to be made with him like i said i'd be looking at you know guiding him slowly but still you know getting different styles you know helenius might not box again but i think that would be a decent opponent um adam kalnaki you know I won't be looking at the likes of Lucas Brown, but um, Dillian White is a fight that I would favour Dubois. Yeah, what about that fight? Tell us about that fight, Oz. I've always said, and look, the Lorena, look, he got caught high on the head, and anyone who gets caught, you know, like that, the the wobble, the busted, you know, like it does cause a problem. But I would say about, you know, I think White is just, I think he's shot to bits. Dillian White didn't, you know, like, we, we spoke about it. It was that guy who he boxed last time out. What was his name again? Jermaine uh, Franklin. Yeah, Jermaine Franklin. Let's have it right. Jermaine Franklin is not good. You know, he wasn't, you know, he was a bit better than we thought. And and I thought, but ultimately it just showed that White has got nothing, you know, absolutely nothing left. I don't think he knows how he wants to box. You know, the body snatcher is just a complete myth. Clearly doesn't do any damage to the body, uh, and I just don't think White would be able to stand up to um, Dubois' power. Uh, and I think Dubois would land before White would. Look, if White lands that big left hook on Dubois' chin, I think he'd struggle. Um, but I think um, more than anything, I think Dubois would just get to him. It's kind of a perfect opponent, really. White likes to stand and trade, and I think he'd just walk onto a shot and. White has not got the best chin at all. You know, we've seen that, you know, you land on him now. Franklin had him bust. I mean, fuck me, you know. And this was a guy who went the distance with that uh, bloody Pavel Sauer and stuff like that. Let's <laughs> have it right, you know. Come on. 
So yeah, I, I think Dubois would just be too much for Dillian White, really, um, what, and I don't think White will take that. What White is Chisora six or seven years ago. I mean, that's really his level. It's I mean, you you kind of got to give credit to Eddie and everyone for getting him as high and noted as he got to because. Mm. I, I really don't think he's any higher than J- Derek Jasora's level at any moment in Dale Boy's career. Chisora was better, mate. Chisora won more titles and more meaningful titles than um, than what's it called? Than uh, than Dillian White. I don't Chisora think White's won. won a mean. Chisora yeah, White's won titles. Not won oh well, you won like European and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think White has won anything. From memory, well, he, you know. Well, he thought he was better than that. You know, from the moment he yeah. buzzed Anthony Joshua, he thought he was too good for exactly, European yeah, titles. Yeah. And like I said, that's one thing I'll give her. And he did a fantastic job with Dillian White to make him like this feared operator who was earned millions and millions of pounds. Um, you know, a hell of a lot more than some fantastic, you know, um, you know, fighters that, you know, have, you know, have retired and stuff like that. And White is probably one of the sport's top earners over recent years. And yeah, he's just a, just a standard heavyweight, really, isn't he? Very much. If if he was from the United States, he would be like a kind of Jason Gavern type, you know. I think you're doing him a bit of disservice there, but, Gavin. Dillian White, really? He'd be yeah, like, no he'd be like way. He'd be like, no fat, he'd be like fat Joey. Now, Chris Ariola, I'd say maybe, but not Gavin. Yeah. You think that'd be an opponent for Dubois as well, Ariola. People like that, you know, you don't <coughs> build him. You know, I, I get, you know, if they got that opportunity to fight Usyk, if he gets beat off Usyk, it's not going to ruin his career. And you know, they're gonna take that opportunity to fight for you know all the titles. But yeah, for me, if they can avoid it, I would be doing naturally. Okay, thank you for the question, Holt. Uh, we do have another question from our Matt Butters, aka Slippery Butters, in the chat there. Before we go on to that, there is a show on New Year's Eve. It won't be our show, Matty, but it'll be the Japanese. Uh, Joshua Franco He's the WBA Super Flyweight Champion. He's had three fights with Andrew Maloney now. This is uh, Helen Mirren's favourite fighter. I don't know whether Helen will be tuning in to the Ota City General Gymnasium, though. On the 31st of January, when he goes in against IB, no, it's not IBF, it's WBO champion, that's right, Ioka, uh, who beat Tanaka. He, in his last fight, he defeated uh, Don, uh, Donny Nietes. It's a unification. It's a pretty good fight, actually. Ioka against Joshua Franco, who's the brother of Bam Rodriguez, apparently, Matty. Yeah, and I, I wish Andy was here to talk about this one, because this is definitely right up his uh, wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I- Ioka coming off that victory over Nietes in the rematch, beating him much more soundly than the first time around, which um, I-, I think might have been a draw or it could have been a draw. One or the two is much tighter. Uh, but Ioka is uh, definitely getting older. I mean, he's had a lot of years in the ring, uh, early champion, moved up the weight classes quick, picked off a lot of titles, beat a lot of fantastic fighters along the way, uh, won some, lost some. Uh, this fight very, very close to even in the books. Franco's just a slight underdog in this one. Um, but I, I, I know, you know, triangle theories don't work so much, but I don't rate either the Maloney brothers that high, Steve. Mm. And, and, and I know he did just fine, you know, uh, coming out of the, it, it you know, I, I thought the second fight might've been a shit show, but the third one, he came out just fine. Um, I my 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 feeling on this one is Ioka on a point on a points decision win. 
Um, but there's a reason that it's close. Maybe there's something that the uh, the people that make the big bucks are seeing that we might not be seeing on this one. Something stylistically that Franco is going to bring to the table. But my hunch is just the experience gap is just so huge between these two fighters um, that, that I've got to side with Ioka on a points uh, victory. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Franco is talented enough to keep it relatively close and competitive, but you'd like to think with him being in Japan as well, Rodon, his experience levels. I'm with you, Matt. I, th- I think um, Ioka on points. And he's having a bit of a, a swan song of his career, isn't he, Ioka? He's really turned things around and he's uh, he's making good money for himself. Yeah, he's doing really well. Um, and I, I know that you know he's he's getting ever closer to the end of his career and he keeps hinting at it, hinting at it. Um, and, and even though there might not be a title on the line, I would really like to see him go up to 118 for one last fight and don't dare to have one last fight to be against each other. Cause I think that's a hell of a good scrap. And, and I don't, uh, and I, and I think they have enough, uh, you know, in common in the weight classes that they fought in that you wouldn't see it as too insane. I mean, especially considering the way that, uh, you know, in, uh, dispatched of, uh, as well. Um, so we'll see what happens with that one. But Ioka has to get through Franco first. Good enough operator. Um, and that's going to be on uh, New Year's uh, New Year's Eve in Japan. Uh, so you guys will be able to catch that in the afternoon. And I'll have to wake up early in the morning to catch it. But, uh, hey, it's a Saturday. And uh, it's, some, it's some fighting. And, and that's a decent fight. Um, I didn't see much else on that card that really caught my eye. But th- this is a, a quality fight. The Japanese usually turn in something good on New Year's. What do you usually do on New Year's Eve, Matty? Do you like a nice quiet one at home or are you out like sniffing cocaine off a whore's arse crack? I mean, what, what are you at here? I uh, much prefer a quiet evening at home. It, uh, New Year's is amateur night. You know, it's when people who don't normally drink decide to go out and drink. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that, point. And th- that only seems to cause problems for those of us that know how to handle our shit. So I just kind of hang out, try to cook a decent meal, you know, put some tunes on, rock out for a few and find a movie, you know. It's uh, I, I I don't try to take uh, holidays too seriously and shit like that. Uh, if there's anything that we should have learned over the last, uh, you know, nearly three years at this point in time is the turning of a year doesn't matter. It's the same fucking shit one day after the other. It's not going to change just because you have to buy a new calendar of dogs to put on your wall, you know. <laughs> Wise words from the uh, withered in life, Matty DiGelonardo there, our resident philosopher. Uh, Jim McDonald Boxing has some wise words as well for you. He says, hit that thumbs up, lads, to help exert the pod into position. And David Joyce as well throws in a good comment. He says, "A hundred, no, 12,148 in the chat, but only 38 likes. Absolutely, Dave, do the math. I completely agree with you, sir. Absolute degenerates, these lot get that likes hit. Let's see if we can get, well, 100 likes. Uh, 50 likes at least, maybe. Uh, slippery Butters, with that aforementioned question, here it is for you. Uh, we'll go to you first, Matty, on this one. Uh, Matthew says, since we have a great trilogy coming this weekend, this was uh, thrown to us in time for Gonzalez Estrada, by the way, what is the panel's favourite trilogy of all time? It's a question where I always seem to have a different answer each time I'm asked it. Right now, it's probably Holyfield Bow, but ask me on a different day, I'd probably mention Ali Frazier or Gatti Ward. I hope the Chocolatito uh, Estrada trilogy will be able to enter that conversation. Fingers crossed for Saturday, says Matt. We all know how that one went on, uh, Matty DiGelonardo. Uh, tell, tell us about your your favorite trilogies. I know you're a Holyfield bowman like myself. That that was a good one. I uh, you know the fights were exceptional. You had the absolute madness of the fan man in the second one. It was uh, 
yeah, there's just a whole lot going on in that. I, I definitely exceptional, but but my favorite one, uh, you know, I'm going to discount the fourth fight is is going to be Israel Vasquez against Rafael Marquez, who's also going to be getting into the Hall of Fame in this coming class. Uh, those those are three fights that were just absolutely fantastic fights. And if you've noticed with anything with these trilogies, is the third one usually fails to live up to the other two in some way, shape, or form. But the third fight in Vasquez Marquez was the best fight of the bunch with that late knockdown uh, by uh, by Israel Vasquez. Uh, those were just some fantastic fights between those those two fighters uh, where they just absolutely battered each other. And, uh, you know, it's uh, in that third fight, Israel Vasquez might have won the battle, but he lost the war because he didn't have it after that fight. He was done. Josh Foster says Holyfield Ruiz, Holyfield Bo. Yeah, Marquez against. Didn't Marquez get thrown into the Hall of Fame this weekend with Tim Bradley and? Yeah, Koch? I said that. Yeah, I just said that. Oh, did you? Sorry, sorry, Matty. I was looking in the chat there. And um, what? What about Marquez in the Hall of Fame? I mean, he was a good fighter and all, and it rears this Hall of Fame question again. And he was okay, like, but he's not elite, elite. When I think yeah. of Hall of Fame, I think of Les Hagler, Hearns, you know, the, these kind of guys. I mean, Rafael Marquez, yeah, he was a, he was a fine fighter. He's very skilled. He wasn't quite as good as his brother, Manuel, but put him in the Hall of Fame? I, I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, once Gaddy got in there, I mean, anyone, but um, it's, let's, let's see here at this point in time. Uh, his, uh, I, I'm just curious, uh, going through his box, we'll go through his, just going through his box record, I mean, because it's been years, I mean, since his career was but uh, let's see what he had here let's see here well let's see oh but they just have nice career factoids let's see here defeated uh seven opponents six by ko in world title fights uh let's see here uh record of nine and four seven knockouts in the world title fights all in all he has a record of eight and five six knockouts against uh former world uh world titleist uh, he won against, uh, let's see, uh, Akeo Guzman, Mark Johnson twice. Those are good wins. Tim Austin, Mauricio Pastrana, Israel Vasquez lost to uh, Victor Rabanales. Vasquez, obviously. Juan Manuel Lopez, that was later in his career, and uh, Tashiaka Nishioka. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. You bring up a good point. It, maybe, you know, because Vasquez, I think, has a better um Ledger than uh, Marquez. Actually. Yeah, Vasquez's fights with Oscar Larios as well. Do you remember them? Oh, fucking fire! Absolutely. Yeah, um, so I, God, I'll, I'll tell you what. You might make a good point. Maybe he snuck in there off of the fame of those fights. Yeah, you might Welling's, be right. Welling's making a good point. You know, it's it's took took a whole of 2022, Matty, but we got there in the end. Hey, I well, I mean, look at the. This is the year of Wellings. Look at the the numbers show it, Steve. <laughs> uh, it's only downhill from here, though. Uh, well, given the sway in the prediction league I have now, Marquez might get taken out of the Hall of Fame next week. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you a voting member of the Hall of Fame? Well, this is fucking uh, bullshit. I should be. I'm sure there's lesser equipped members of that Boxing Writers Association than me, Matty. I should be in there. Why, why am I not in the Boxing Writers Association of America? You know, I mean, just as just offering because I think that Dan Raphael it gets voted as a voting member and he goes to all the events. If you get rid of Dan Raphael and let Steve Wellings in, that means that you can have one more paid seat at the show because Steve only requires <laughs> one chair. <laughs> After this chest infection, I think I might only require about half a chair. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> and you won't even have to feed him. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, uh, sorry, back to Matty Butters' question. Uh, Des says for the domestic hardcores, yeah, Jamie Moore against Michael Jones. That was really Jamie's, Jamie Moore's coming out party because Michael Jones, he was a real uh, tall, strong uh, uh, scouse fighter with a really good jab. And he had some great fights with Jamie Moore. And Jamie Moore got rid of him in the end and went on to do bigger things. And Michael Jones, he was a really good domestic operator. I think he won his... You might have won the, the European title out in Italy or something, but you go, you go back a few years there, Des. Uh, talking of trilogies, Aussie, uh, can't get, look past Fury Wilder as well. I mean, a trilogy is a good way of determining who's the best fighter out of the two. And, you know, guys hardly fight. We're talking about Crawford Spence. They haven't even fought each other once yet. These are the fellas yeah. two, three, four times. You determine who is the better man. We determine Fury was the better man. It's, it's a real great trilogy over recent years, that. Absolutely. Um, I think it was, I mean, the third fight, well, I mean, what a fight that was. It was. It just had everything in it. And I think even the first one, you know, like all three fights have got a different story behind them, haven't they? You know, the first one, Fury was coming back after that huge layoff and basically boxed two no marks and then went in and, you know, it was a disgrace that we didn't get that decision that night. But then, you know... Second time round, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people, again, pick Wilder. How can you go against him? You know, he's got that power. Will Fury be able to do it again? And then Fury bloody knocks him out um, and beats him up. And then the third fight, you know, Fury, you know, had a lot of personal issues, you know, with the, you know, I think the premature birth of one of his kids. Uh, and again, came in, uh, knocked Wilder down, <laughs> caught, knocked down himself twice, I think, then knocked Wilder down again, then stopped him, you know, and it, I, I forgot the second fight of the, t you know, the um, Wilder's team throwing in the towel, quite right as well, by the way, but again, all that stuff behind it. Yeah, in, in an age from where we struggle to get people, you know, the main names in the ring, I think Fury and Wilder put ultimately, you know, some people to shame, ran it back three times and, you know, the first fight, you know, was was by far the worst, actually. But again, st I still enjoyed it. But yeah, without a doubt, one of the most enjoyable trilogies. Uh, without a doubt, you know, and I think it's, you know, it's something, you know, just means that bit more, you know, when it's two good heavyweights as well. Um, and, and, and a reborn Fury, you know, from the, how many times we, you know, his fights have been a snooze fest. Um, it's rare you say that, you know, he'd be involved in, you know, potentially, you know, a couple of fights of the last, you know, five top, you know, last five years in terms of performances, uh, you couldn't not enjoy them. So, yeah, without a doubt, one of the best trilogies around. Yes, we'll have a good trilogy here on the Asylum. That is all the um, questions all dealt with by the end of the year. We got to them in the end, Matty. Also, the fight previews. Uh, we will be back on January the 7th for the next podcast after this one, by the way. Probably do a nutters calling in the intervening period. I might put that up on YouTube as well if we can get through to it. Probably won't do too much else between us. And given all the different things we have to do and the fact that Andy can't even speak, it's not really conducive to an audio-based a listening experience so we'll see what we can get done for you but you might get something uh, or nothing off us uh, we're going to talk then Matty about the big fight that we're going to be coming back to on January the 7th that indeed is Javonta Davis against Hector Garcia let me bring it up on Boxrec quickly we were looking at the undercard earlier Matty was picking out some nice little fights as well it's on pay-per-view I think it's on Showtime yeah, uh, pay-per-view is it or is it Fox pay-per-view Who's who's picking this up? Actually, Matty doesn't say on boxer. I don't know, but uh, they're getting my money, of course. 
Oh, yeah, they'll be getting your money as well. We'll be watching it too. Uh, Javonta Davis, Hector Luis Garcia in the main event. Uh, we had great lols earlier, Matty, dis uh, discovering that Javon Ennis is fighting a fighter called Karen <laughs> from, the, from the local supermarket on the undercard there. That's Karen uh, Chokadzian. Hopefully I've pronounced that right. You don't want to upset, you don't upset a Karen. She'll be coming after me. Uh, Rashidi Ellis against Roman Villa as well. Demetrius Andrade against Demon Nicholson. Brandon Lee and Vito Malnecki Jr. against Omar Rosales. Anything on, on the undercard that really takes your fancy? I mean, given the fact that Andrade is fighting Demon Nicholson, this just continues to show his career as an absolute shit show. He's left his own now. Hopefully PBC can get him some better fights once he's got this Demon Nicholson out of the way. He's a tough gatekeeper, but no more for a world champion. No, I, I expect Andre did, you know, I mean, we, we saw that uh, Demond Nicholson went the distance with Edgar Belanga. If, uh, if Andre's hoping to prove his worth in the ring and he wants something of meaning after this, he needs to take this guy out, make a statement, go out there and do something. Um, I think the standout of the undercard is going to be uh, Ellis against Via. Uh, Via once is once defeated, but he has a near perfect knockout record record. I think he's 25 and one or 24 and one uh, with uh, just a couple shy of that in his, his KOs. Um, so this will be an interesting one for, for Ellis, uh, who, who seems to be a, a, a very strong prospect. He's uh, he, you know, he's undefeated at this point in time, but he, he obviously needs to take that next step up. We'll see how he does against a puncher. Um, it, it'll be an interesting one because I, I think you're looking at Ellis by decision or via by knockout in this one. So uh, uh, I, I think that's going to be the standout of the card on that one. They don't even have an opponent for uh, Brandon Lee yet. Um, he, he was uh, hurt in his last fight. A little bit of shine taken off of him. Uh, the main event, I think, is very interesting, though. Um, I, I, I just think... Uh, Hector Garcia is the wrong opponent if you're trying to prepare for Ryan Garcia. I mean, they they really share the last name only. Um, Garcia, very, very tidy boxer, um, able to switch it up uh, from both sides, as I recall. And he's uh, puts his punches together well. He's going to have a uh, reasonable uh, height advantage, advantage over uh, over Javante um, Davis. And, and I'm going to be curious on this one, maybe seeing if the over under isn't fairly low on this one. Cause I could definitely see Garcia going some rounds here. Um, it, I, I, he is, uh, he, he definitely has the ability to be a, a spoiler and, and not in the, the Paul Butler kind of way where he just manages to survive uh, Hector Garcia can spoil and put hands on you at the same time. Um, so th this is an interesting fight. And I mean, as much as I think it's a strategic error, um, a fair play to Davis for, for adding another uh, capable name to his resume. Um, who knows where uh, Hector Garcia goes from here, but um, I, I think we've all seen his worth in the ring at this point in time. And, and those of us that uh, pay attention to the sport know that this is a, uh, uh, not a not a, a walkover opponent for Davis, and if he manages to to end this one in a just a handful of rounds, that is definitely a statement. I think um, I just hope that Javonta Davis's biggest opponent, Matty, isn't just going to be himself or his circumstances, because we have these couple of quite dangerous court cases coming up where there's a serious um, potential that he could be doing a bit of jail time. This situation over. Uh, him running over this woman or whatever. I don't really know what happened, but I know it's not nice. 
And also the fact he's leaving Floyd, he's beefing with LB all the time so far. He's been punched perfect in the ring and he hasn't let him affect him. But the fact they're getting him out so early and pushing towards the Garcia fight, it almost feels a bit rushed, like they're trying to get something in, trying to get some money off him maybe. That could be the cynical side of me, but I hope that's not the case in that he might disappear off somewhere because this is his peak. This is his prime, honestly, Garcia fighting the... um, Davis, sorry, fighting the best in the ring now, not frigging fighting people off in the showers of, uh, you know, Baltimore State Penitentiary. Yeah, he's a tank is a real puncher and uh, he, he's an incredibly skillful guy, too. He's a rare combination. And hopefully we don't have him wasting his career um, just, uh, you know, fucking around in court and serving time in county here and there, because uh, this is a guy who seems very willing to, to get in the ring at least a couple of times a year, which is more than we can ask of a lot of people for some fucking reason. And uh, there's just so many exceptional opponents at 135 and 140 pounds and even a couple of people from 130 who might be stepping up. Um, I, I would love to see tank against Shakur Stevenson. I would love to see tank against Devin Haney and Lomachenko. I'd love to see him against some of the guys that are uh, rocking around 140 pounds still. Uh, and he fights well with every one of them. You know, he's a, uh, he's a pound for pound fighter and uh, hopefully, you know, uh, he, he doesn't, uh, do Adrian Broner type shit and find himself uh, wondering uh, what a career he could have had rather than the, uh, the arrest record that he has. Ozzy, we were discussing this fight last week or the week before, and just it is a bit of a strange one given the way Garcia's come out of nowhere, beat Colbert, beat Gutierrez. He seems like a bit of a flyer, he's on a good run. But these old uh, savvy people like Tom Brer and Leonard Ellaby, Floyd, they have an eye for a fighter. And if Davis comes out and bangs Garcia out in five or six rounds, all of a sudden we see something like he's maybe can't get out of the way of the left hand or Davis is just far too fast for him or so just punches mm-hmm. too hard. And it all becomes so clear. It's almost as if they've maybe seen something in him that we haven't yet. Exactly that. Exactly that. And, you know, I, I think, you know, with, with all the talk about, you know, a Ryan Garcia fight, this, you know, this is a fight that presents risk. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that you know the the people who are guiding his career are very you know switched on, very clued up, and I think that you you you've nailed it. There's they've they've probably seen something that you know Garcia you know is phased by you know particularly uh-huh. like say a left hook, and we'll walk on to one and we'll look at it and think oh actually looking back at a couple of his fights he was tagged with that he just managed to weather a storm. Um, the one thing I would say is that, you know, he's had 10 knockouts, but, you know, in his last three fights, you know, he has, they've all gone the distance. So, you know, maybe is the, is the power, you know, completely legit? You know, do they feel like he can't hurt Davis? Um, I'm not so sure. But, yeah, again, you know, it'll be a relatively decent name to have on his record. And, yeah, that should, you know, from all the talks, should set him up for a fight with Ryan Garcia later next year. Yep, if he gets rid of Hector Luis Garcia, then hopefully he'll fight Ryan Garcia in April time on pay-per-view as well. That will be a real good fight to look forward to. Good little schedule on Showtime, actually. They've got that one. They've got the Showbox card as well. They're advertising last night. And they've got uh, Charlo against uh, Tim Zhu, even though I think Charlo will will win that one. I think that's a really engaging, enticing fight. And I'm glad they've taken that as well. So that's something to look forward to. Nice little uh, schedule start. Uh, to the year, Matty, before we move on to the belly of the weeks from Showtime, like I mentioned, you've got the, the Showbox card, but especially Charles U. That's, that's, a, that's a good solid starter for the end of January. 
Yeah, we, we it's a decent start to the year. The only disappointment is that uh, Valdez is already out of his fight against Navarrete, which is supposed mm. to be one of the only decent fucking fights Top Rank's put on in God knows how long. And the, that was happening uh, early February. And uh, they're fucking around with uh, Lomachenko against Haney because Haney is worried about the timing of Ramadan coming up and that it might not work for Bob and blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, uh, boxing giveth and boxing taketh away. Uh, but uh, it's uh, but it seems like at least the PBC is there for uh, to deliver to us in our time of need, Steve. It is as well. Absolutely. Thank you, PBC. Right, our time of need moves us on to the Bell U the Weeks for episode 504. Ozzy's still here. So is Matty. So Steve. It's half nine. No sign of rapping Rob Kelly, unfortunately. I know he is out uh, enjoying himself tonight, Rob. So have a good one there, sir. Andy can't make it, unfortunately. They're literally dying. Hopefully he'll be back for 2023. On the seventh of January, let's find something to play us in. We haven't we haven't played our team with anything for a while. It took me quite a while to put this one together. So let's have a listen to AJ melting down in the Ukraine, uh, lest you forget. This is a this is a proper man in you know what I mean. Proper man who don't talk shit, don't tell lies. He's a he's, he gives everybody his time. Give him a round of applause as our heavyweight champion of the world. Woo! Nice work, Joshua. Joshua. I'm not a 12 round fighter, look at me, I'm a new breed of heavyweights, all them heavyweights, Mike Tyson, Sonny Liston, Jack Dempsey, oh yeah, you don't throw combinations like Rocky Marciano, because I ain't fucking 14 stone, that's why, I'm 18 stone, I'm heavy. You're a troll, you know the word troll, you know what that means, like a troll, is just a fucking complete and utter low life scumbag, it's a troll, so what, you don't have to say anything to a troll. This guy here is a phenomenal talent. We're going to cheer for him three times. Well, how many belts you got now, bro? Five. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. And as I said, I was studying Ukraine and all the champions that have come from your amazing country, but I've never been there. But at the same time, what's happening there is, I don't know what's happening, but it's not nice at the end of the day. I've seen it with Lomachenko in his second fight against Orlando. There was unrest in Ukraine, right or wrong. There was issues in Ukraine in your second fight. There was civil war. Vitaly Klitschko, when he faced Danny Williams, civil unrest. Get behind AJ to win this weekend. He's a great man. He's done so much for the sport. He's inspired so many. As Bellew says, you know, he paved the way, AJ, for fights for... Um, Bell you like against Usyk and against David Hay and for him to have that kind of platform. Usyk as a champion, please raise your hand. Under them circumstances, he managed to become champion. Champ, champ! Champ, champ! Champ, champ! And I just want to say, Bismillah! Bismillah, indeed. I was going to delete that video, actually, Matty, but I'm glad we st it stuck around for one more week. That's quite the listen. That one is definitely going to hang out in the uh, annals of boxing history and probably the annals as well for many years <laughs> to come. <laughs> oh, good stuff. AJ melting down after his uh, second fight with Usyk. On to the Bell U of the week then. Uh, Victoria Ben has been sliding into Twitter to defend her brother. She says, I've not been here in a while, and I can't believe how many boxing experts, quote-unquote, are putting their two pence worth 
in on Con situation when they embarrassingly know nothing. Word of advice, don't listen to them. Listen to Con, his team, and those closest to him if you want the truth. Interesting uh, use of the name there, Ozzy. Con. It is a big con. What's going on here? Is he pregnant or not? I mean, when, when are we going to get the answers on this B sample? Who knows? But apparently his team has submitted a 500-page document to the WBC, so they must have something to say. Uh, it can only come out next year, can't it? It has to. Um, I can't wait for it in a sense of what bullshit they're going to try and you know fill everybody with. Uh, you know, again, this this refusal to say that he's failed two tests, you know, adverse findings, all that crap. You know, ultimately, you know, people aren't thick. You know, you, you don't, you, they, these tests, you know, they don't just, you know, throw up random, you know, sort of, you know, results, etc. things like that. So we'll wait and see, you know, if apparently he's innocent, you know, and he's back, you know, next year. Well, yeah, he'd be going back to the board. He'd be getting that license renewed because he, you know, he he voluntarily gave that up and didn't renew it. I think in a way to avoid any, you know, persecution from the board. Basically, we'll wait and see. Yeah, good luck to Con. I say, uh, Ben Russell has qualified things here. He said that's his wife, Steve, not his sister. So apologies there. That's his wife. Apparently, He's a, might be his wife and his sister. <laughs> no judgment here. No judgment here, Matty. Oh no, there would be judgment there. There would be a lot of judgment. <laughs> <laughs> live and let live on the asylum episode 504 yeah everything on. except their fucking <laughs> half fucking mongoloid babies that fucking pop out they won't live long <laughs> you fucking your yeah. cousin steve <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you've started me off now poor steve I sorry about that. sorry <laughs> I, I can't help that i'm naturally this funny it just fucking happens this point yeah you are pretty funny, Matty. Oh, the fight's over. We we neglected to mention this one from last week. Uh, uh, what is it? What is his name again? What do you call the fella? I'm just going to say Jermaine Franklin. Who's the fellow who beat Jerry Forrest last Jared week? Jared Anderson. Jared Anderson. That's the one. I think Jerome Jermaine. No, no, Jared Anderson. Yeah, he hit Jerry Forrest so hard. Apparently, Jerry Forrest didn't realise he'd been knocked out till about five minutes later. So, um, must be quite the power puncher that fella. Uh, poor old Jerry Forrest. Oh, shame Rob's not here, isn't this one? T Street controversy throwing in. Vivian Oberner was sentenced to 16 years last week for killing her boyfriend, beating to death with a baseball bat. Uh, just the 19 blows to the head, according to CompuBox Compu murder stats there, Matty. 19 blows to the head, man. That sounds a bit excessive, me. He doesn't look like the kind of fellow who's going to be putting up much of a fight. So my question is, like, do they have it on video or was the coroner, like, able to identify 19 specific blows to the head with the baseball bat? In which case, you have to commend the fucking exact nature of that science. Yeah, 19 blows to the head. Uh, Mike Tyson has asked for £500 million to fight Tyson Fury in an exhibition. Uh, Fury, uh, Mike is talking about 500 million figures. But what about um, came back to us on paper was a joke. It's crazy. I would have loved to share the ring with him and move around. But if he wins, then people will say I'm rubbish because a 53-year-old beat me. If I beat him, then I will be a bully. It's a lose-lose situation for me. I don't want to fight a man past his best. So Fury saying no to that one. Uh, the Gad. Uh, I can't remember why the Gad got nominated. Maybe just for being the Gad, I suppose. I mean, uh, no greater excuse for throwing him in every week. There he is on Talk Sport. Uh, shout out to the Gad. Here's one for you, Ozzy. Uh, Tundi Ajayi, who is the biggest pound-for-pound -pound puncher in the sport today? Uh, Tundi said, it is a mythical question that can never be fully justified. Mike Tyson, for example, couldn't make a dent in Buster Douglas, Evander Holyfield or Lennox Lewis. Power is generated by your commitment to the punch. And because this is a mythical question, Anthony Yard is my answer. Uh, that's that one cleared oh, up then, Oz. It's just an idiot, isn't he? 
Oh man, where'd you even go with that old Tundy? Getting thrown in there. He's a parody. He's like a cartoon character, isn't he, Ajayi? Just the shit that he comes out with. I mean, what an answer. I mean, I get it, really. You know, it is a mythical question. I understand that. Well, then to answer it with fucking Anthony Hard, it's just, you know, like a piss take. He's enjoying his himself. His answer is as much of a fantasy as a question. Yeah, it certainly is. Here's one for you, Matty. The glove gate from last week, as we were mentioning. Never mind Everlast. More like Neverlast. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really sure which Joker added the little end at the beginning there. But, I mean, we didn't really touch upon this in any great detail last week. But I was, I was thinking about it during the week. And it was a bizarre situation. Crawford doesn't need any help, obviously. But the fact both of the, the padding went on both of the gloves. And the Omaha Commission were happy to throw him back out again. And the referee, to her credit, I suppose she did take him over to the corner. But it was quite unprecedented, really, with the old Neverlast gloves, Matt. That's that should the... get overturned. That that decision should get overturned and made to a no contest, I think. Because what I, happened with the gloves is wrong. I wouldn't go that far, but I think it it speaks volumes of why it's tough to get the fight in some of these smaller jurisdictions because they don't have the experience and in such a simple thing like this, they're left with well, what the fuck to do. And Everlast came out and said that they had some faulty shit there, and you could tell that you know it was all breaking on the stitch. So there was no no tampering. It was just a a, a bad make, but. Uh, yeah, uh, it doesn't look good on the part of Everlast or the Nebraska Commission. Terrence Crawford's just the fighter. I think, Ozzy, the fact that they didn't even send anyone from the corner back to get another... I mean, I suppose you couldn't send Bomac to the changing rooms. You'd be there all night waiting for him to freaking get there. But with another pair of gloves, Oz, and, and change the gloves at least. I mean, it was a, a breach of protocol, really. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. It just, I don't understand why, you know, why they didn't do anything about it, you know, go looking for, you know, like you say, somebody go and get another pair of gloves. It, it was just odd, really, really. And that's why I mean, you know, it was ultimately for me, look, it it wouldn't have been, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, in, in terms of like the result would have been exactly the same. However, um, it's beside the point is that, it was a faulty product, and that's why I think, you know, if you're going to, if essentially, you know, the product is deemed unfit, for me, it should be overturned, and, you know, this appeals have gone in, and I don't, look, like I said, it doesn't matter. Crawford was always going to beat Avanesian. However, you know, in that manner, you know, I think in other, you know, it wouldn't have happened under you know, uh, other, you know, like governing bodies because they would have gone out, you know, and, um, you know, done it the right way, whereas they didn't here. I think it opens them up to, you know, potentially, you know, like no contest type of things because, you know, the glove was ultimately, you know, was not fit for purpose. Who checked him? Who was the commissioner who signed the tape? Not a clue. You know, like Matty said, it's like these small, um, small, you know, like, you know, sanctioning body type of people, you know, like, like you say, Omaha and people like that. Could be anybody. I think a lot of these gloves are shit, and I've heard Everlast, even though it's like a famous boxing brand and a boxing name, a lot of it is like franchised out to some smaller factories, you know, across, you know, the kind of India, Pakistan factories and stuff. So the fact this is happening, even though it's Everlast, it doesn't surprise me. They're not being sat there sewn up individually, but you think the actual ones Mm -hmm. for a fight, I mean, if you're selling ones through the Argos, you could say fair enough, franchise them out. But for world title fighters, such magnitude, yeah. pound for pound, best fighter in the world. Get someone fucking sitting there sewing them up with hand, for goodness sake, to make sure they're right. 
I was going to say, yeah, and I've like five or six per- pairs of them as well, you know, four, five, six pairs, yeah. like you say, not just being franchised out, yeah. But essentially, you know, like Terence Crawford, arguably one of the best fighters in the world, and he's just getting, you know, like, you know, just like, yeah, like you say, subcontracted gloves that are coming out to him. And again, yeah, have just been absolute trash. The fact Everlast had to come out and say something is quite uh, damning of that, mate, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't think we've heard the last of this. Do I think we'll see a rematch? No. Would look, would a no contest, you know, surprise me? Yeah, it would. But could it happen? Absolutely, yeah. It might well do. Just when you think you're getting out of here by 10 o'clock, rapping Rob Kelly slides in into the corner. That's me, Mrs. Voss. You have to fucking keep me talking here for the last half hour about fucking people I don't know and all the people I work, I have a fucking job, what's going on? And that's her, her fault I'm on late. So I say sorry to the lads though because no. the boys are to get out of here for 10 o'clock. She's sticking her fingers up at the pod, ladies no. and gentlemen. Everybody's getting a middle, big middle finger. Oh, you know, go and close the door. <laughs> sorry. Boxing Asylum sponsors on the ship on the shorts now, Rob, for Mrs. Kelly when she makes that debut. That's giving up that pipe dream, I think. Is he... Oh, no. Don't tell yes. me it's true. Grand opening, grand closing. That was. But <laughs> oh, well, don't make the pod responsible for three divorces, Rob. Two is enough. <laughs> Listen, sorry, doors. Fucking, if I get divorced, it definitely won't be the fucking pod. That's the cause of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a good enough job on his own. Well done, Rob. What's happening anyway? What are you up to? To the football and that I was supposed to go out, but it's pissing rain, so I can't be bothered having a few cans here. I was trying to get, trying my best to get on early, but of course I have to hear about like people's days at work and shit like that. You know what I mean? Fucking hell. Um, yeah. Saw a good bit of fights over the weekend, but I say we're on, in belly of the week territory, are we? And I don't think any of the fights were like fucking super exciting. Um, Bill Smith with a good knockout under a bit of duress mm-hmm. on a good trajectory. Yeah. Probably one of the kind of unlikely domestic fighters that will. Be knocking on this on the door now for world level shortly, I'd say in 2023. What else was there? There was Frank Martin. Can we get rid of that guy? Is he another fucking Muhammad Ali offshoot? This guy, or is it uh, that he yeah. was fighting with the fucking with the with, someone? Someone on Twitter said he looked like Will Smith playing Ali. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that can go, man. Right? I like you know, that <laughs> fucking Frank, Frank Martin fucking got the job done there. What else happened? Um, because I saw all the fights, anyway. which was quite a Oh yeah, anyway, fucking well, if disappointed that anyway didn't get the win earlier, but Butler like had a more negative approach than fucking Aberdeen against Celtic yesterday, nine behind the ball, you know what I mean? So it's hard hard to do anything with that kind of fucking opposition. And was there a woman's fight? Uh, Caroline Dubois looked good. And your man, James First, James First with the upsets. And someone on the on the pod called that last week. Me. <laughs> yeah. Well, even the sun shines on the dog's eyes some days, you know what I mean? <laughs> Close well the prediction <laughs> Steve has closed out the prediction league, Rob. And if you would have picked Jimmy first, it would have still been going. So ah, uh, focus, fuck it anyway. Focus. James, Jimmy, first to last. I, I heard it was controversial anyway. He was spitting the gum shield out and that, wasn't he? Yeah. Um so yeah, fuck it. Let's let's just do better the week we get out of here and see us next year. <laughs> well said, rapping Rob Kelly. Couldn't agree more. On to the next one. Uh Design Boxing. On the world title hunt in 2023, the baby faced assassin, BV jumps in. The baby. <laughs> Brutal mente, Matty. That's not nice. He's done Paul Shannon Courtney there. It's not that bad. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what is the picture down at the bottom? I can't tell if it's like 
a monkey or if it's like one of them deformed kids Christian charities try to get you to send monies for. It's not not cool. <laughs> not cool. I'll tell you what else is not cool, Matty. This fight was called off. Lucas Byrne against Manuel Char. Some uh, promotional irregularities. They said, we'll never be working with this promoter again and kick them all out of the Dubai. Well, okay. uh, but I thought iconic promotions were fucking. I thought iconic promotions were going to put Manny Char back on the fucking map. Wasn't that what he said in his big fucking um, back to his throne? Back to his throne, Rob. It, that that paragraph that he wrote looked like one of them fucking paragraphs that Shane Mosley writes when he breaks up with his new girlfriend. <laughs> it's a bit like that. Like. <laughs> yeah. oh. The letters were tremendously disappointed. the commission to sanction our love that. once again. <laughs> Hey. Uh, there's Connor Ben. We mentioned him earlier, and his wife was sticking up for him. He's absolutely innocent. What else have we got What's here? Why is this amusing to us? He's got he's, he's decked out in ebony gear, isn't he? It's Ebb's gear. Yeah, it's Stacey Smith from the Ebb's oh, Appreciation oh, Society. No, this isn't Stacey Smith. This is another one of the weirdos oh, of yeah, <laughs> which fucking obsessed with her. Yeah, this this guy's a Leeds fan and he's literally obsessed with Ebony Bridges. But yeah, honestly, mate, they're, they're just on another planet. These people who obsess over Bridges. They're, you know they're quite, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Ben Russell, Gaz Kia Davis. Yeah, he needs a fucking yeah. warning attached to him you know because he's a dangerous Do you know who he's sorry? Those hats. Do you know who love one of those hats and hoodies for Christmas? Smith. Go on. Absolutely love yeah. that he would, wouldn't he? Smithers the fucking Absolutely. head of the Ebony Breezes Appreciation Society. Yeah, 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 he would. Yeah, we, 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 treat him. Him. <laughs> we should treat him. We should treat him. We're I, gonna I, do it. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that for him. I, I bet you roughly half of the people who have bought one of those uh, hoodies has a rape dungeon. <laughs> oh, not Kia Davis, the new guard. Guys, Kia Davis. Okay. Alright, anyway, let's move on. What have we got here? One round, they said, we would last. You lasted 11. Congratulations, Paul Butler. You've got a medal. No, well. They said you'd win one round, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone threw this into uh, me earlier. Numbers. Ellie Setback said, Cambosas may be the weakest champion in history. Can't find a close second. You're the weakest reporter in history and the ugliest. Next time I see you, I'm, backhead- I'm backhanding you Greek style. Best thing of seeing your ugly face full of disappointment at Madison Square Garden when I bashed your boy Lopez. So what kind of champion was he? Good <laughs> oh, man for I us. Like I tell you what, for uh, Cambosis, for as fucking disappointing as his two fights were Haney or his two efforts against Haney were, he is fucking unbelievable online, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he giving, giving it to the guy that was a bit heavy a few weeks ago. He lets the insults um, go quicker than the combinations. He does, anyway. he does. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, I'll tell you what, uh, not to get into serious territory, but uh, Cambosis against Liam Perro is a decent fight. I'd watch that. Yeah, Matty calling for it. Uh, Eddie Hearn has stated that the December 3rd trilogy fight between Tyson Fury and Derek Chisora did less than 300,000 buys on BT Sport Box Office. Well, I suppose Eddie would know with him <laughs> not working with either Fury or Chisora and not being on BT Sport Box Office. I uh, I always thought Eddie did a lot of his good work when he was on Sky. Um, yeah. Eddie did a lot of his good work on Sky. And now that he's on the zone, I hear he's behind Sky a lot. Uh, so, evening, Ed. 
That's what I've been told. Yeah, it's one thing you just can't keep away from Sky. You can't keep away from Sky, Eddie. Cannot, yeah, he had cannot his best days away. on Sky, yeah. and we'll never forget. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he look, he look, yeah, you know, he's all things Sky now, isn't he? You know, he loves looking at the sky. He likes the platform Sky. He likes all things Sky. All things Sky. <laughs> the sky could almost come tumbling down for him anytime. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was, there was a. Think Cal Brooks going to get on Sky? No, no chance. <laughs> Even more so now, Eduardo's involved you know. in Sky. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. not just the oh, TV show anywhere. Final. <laughs> <laughs> Tyson Fury it says, "I spoke to Wayne Rooney, and he's well up for it. We're going to bring Wayne in for preparation for Usyk. No, it's not a joke. He's going to come into camp for about four weeks to help me." Tyson Fury has recruited Wayne Rooney for sparring ahead of his fight with Usyk. Well, he should have recruited uh, Phil Bardsley, uh, Rob. Yeah, yeah, Bardsley. Uh, probably fucking. The highlight of his career, really, because he was at Rangers for most of it, wasn't it? So uh, that was for the highlight of his career, knocking out Wayne Rooney in his kitchen. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> yeah. flatlined him, didn't he? And his fire was brilliant. <laughs> oh, that was a great shot. Right, that's all the ones that I've got sent in this week. Boys, any nominations from you, Matty? Matty, any nominations? Oh yeah, yeah. Bear with. Uh, here's here's a clip I got of B Hop, uh, uh, who was uh, on the mic uh, following uh, Raul Correa's victory over Brad Solomon. Fucking hell. That's that uh, fucking 12, 12 rounds against Kovalev coming back to haunt him. <laughs> Nazi, the, great, man. the late great Nazim used to have a, a phrase that said, swim without getting wet. Well, Bernard is uh, speaking without talking there. That's fucking amazing what he's doing. Good nomination there. Anything else from you, Matty? Uh, apart from b uh, No, that's, that's what I can offer this week. That's a good offering nonetheless. Uh, Ozzy, anything from you, please? No, annoyingly, somebody else not nominated my uh, the Lucas Brown Manuel Char situation, which is just a complete shambles. And for Dubai to ban you from promoting over there, where it seems anybody can, I'd love to know what he's done wrong. Yeah, I feel for Lucas Brown actually. This is, the second, this is the second time this has happened to Lucas Brown from when he should have been fighting Tom Little over here years ago. Uh, they paid for his, fly- his flights yeah. to fly him out. He came over only to find out that his um, the whole show had never really been on. So Brown was just walking the streets <laughs> of London with no uh, basically of no purpose being there. So, yeah, I, uh, I do feel for him. And do you know what? I, I actually fancied Lucas Brown to beat Manuel Char in this. So, yeah, um, 
who knows what will happen. But yeah, complete. It it only happens in one sport, doesn't it? You know, no other sports you can go over there, and then you know the the you know like the promoter or the commissioner of the event gets banned on fight. You know, on the respective build up to the week of the event. Only in boxing does this happen, you know, UFC, martial arts, anything, nothing else. Only boxing does it happen. Only in boxing, giving us something to talk about on the value of the week, episode 504. Rob, any nominations from you, please? Yeah, I've won for Oz's big mate, uh, Michael Benson. Um, He put up a tweet tonight um, uh, with footage of Julius Francis getting into it with a guy who was confronting him at Box Park Wembley. Um, so I put up a little bit of response to it, actually. For, well, I just said, you know, fucking Captain Current Affairs. <laughs> so fucking tons of like so. This it? happened like fucking six months ago. Yeah, didn't he iron out someone? Yeah, it was ages ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like six, eight months ago or something. And Benson put it up tonight. Say former former uh, Mike Tyson opponent, Julius Francis. So he has his finger on the pulse there, as usual, Benson. Um and there was Ed. Ed has turned on the guide, hasn't he? Oh. Ed are not friends anymore. Oh, he has. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Davis has Even done an Ed. interview responding to him saying, "I've no problem with Hearn, but you yeah, know the so guard. Good. You know he was highly criticised on this podcast, but he's done some good things recently. Uh, calling out Edward John Hearn. Um, I think even more so that you know, guard is very much in uh, you know Team Ebony's corner. And now uh, Eduardo is venturing over to the other side of Australia with Sky. Um, who knows? You know, we might see a bit of, you know, like a bit of a rivalry appearing. But I tell you what was the was the worst thing about it was Eddie's fucking, uh, Eddie was doing an impression of Gad that was suspiciously fucking like mine. It's almost as if he listens <laughs> to his podcast, isn't it? Yeah, Ed. Evening, pal. How are you? Okay. Uh, but yeah, he said that Gareth was gone weird when he said, have you had a shower? Dillian <laughs> White uh, but yeah so Gad Gad has gone rogue apparently on Matchroom and is one of their biggest critics now and I'm all for it so if the Gad wants to come on any night uh, talk tattoos phoenixes showers uh, <laughs> he's welcome here always dungeons big fans of the Gad here love a bit of Gad anyway let's go through them and then pick them Victoria Ben Connor's wife not his sister we think Sorry, sorry, Steve. Sorry, Ooh. Steve. I hadn't finished my nomination. I'm sorry, Robert. I'm sorry. I, I think that the the biggest nomination has to go to the fucking uh, judicial system uh, in Switzerland, who last week sentenced uh, Vivian Obanov, Vivian Obanov to 16 years for um, beating, allegedly beating him to death with a, bas- a baseball bat with 19 blows to the head. We all, um, we, all, we did it. Oh yeah, sorry. Well, they're alleging anyway that uh, the reason that she killed him is that uh, he she wanted to have another baby, and he he didn't react as nicely as he should have to one of the pictures that yeah, but, uh, she no, sent him. He didn't. He didn't react because she wanted to uh, have it artificially uh, inserted inside her, whereas I think he was disappointed with that. He was. So, he wanted uh, to watch someone coming her. I and then yeah, I was after I've, fucking posting it over and everything, and it fucking cost me a lot on the DHL, so I was wanting a refund anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, 
But uh, it's a big miscarriage of justice. Obviously, Vivian Romanov wouldn't do something like that. It's not like she has previous for beating up her old boyfriend or getting a booking for beating up two other individual lads in a nightclub in London either. So obviously, they got it all wrong there. But uh, yeah, sorry for the late nomination for Romanov. Fine, no problem. I actually feel a bit like, you know, thinking, I mean, you look at that poor bloke there on that picture, you know, in his wedding suit, you know, she's in that dress. And all you can know is that, you know, later down the line, she's took a fucking baseball bat and caved his head in 18 Blood times. Why, why, why 18? Why, why? I mean, that is a serious assault, that. But, yeah, I read it, you know. It amused me that the uh, the paper got in touch with her ex-boyfriend to dish the dirt on how um, he got smacked in the face four times when she, uh, when he upset her. So, clearly a handy woman. I, I think it's, you know, it's obviously like, you know, a bunch of steps and a pathway to get there. So, like, you know, as far as like the middle ground before it happens, R- R- Rob, what do you have to do to get a woman to the point where she wants to hit you 19 times in the head with a baseball bat? Well, you have to get good reflexes. I think that has to be the fucking, that's the key. You have to work on head movements. You can't just be a static target. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know, maybe the first one would probably stun you a bit, Rob, to be fair. Like, you're well, sitting you, duck from about seven like, onwards. Like in Casino, fucking throwing fucking uh, Joe Pesci's brother in the fucking hole. In the desert. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's already dead. Stop it. I don't know if it's me or the fucking or the type of people I attract, but they're definitely all after trying to, to, to uh, bludgeon Kelly at some stage, I just my reflexes have always been good and I have a long reach as well to keep people away, you know, that way. So it hasn't it wouldn't have happened to me. No. I wouldn't have upset open off like that. You know what I mean? This is what he's doing. I don't know, I wouldn't have done. Steve, if, if you ever wanted to learn <laughs> the, the why you really have to 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 uh, polish a shoulder roll defense, it's for baseball bats. I don't think there's anything more effective against baseball bats than getting behind that shoulder. I'd say so, yeah. Maybe some advice for that poor fella there. Well, too late. Yeah. One for chicks with dig, maybe. Anyway, let's go. I'll tell you who wouldn't you. do something Texas like that. Sling. I'll tell you who you'd hope wouldn't do something like that. Sky Nicholson. <laughs> that would just ruin everything. That'd be terrible. <laughs> Not Sky. Right, back to the madness. Jerry Forrest uh, taking five minutes to realise that he'd got knocked out. Obenough, as Rob threw in there. Tyson against Fury. The guard for being the guard. Tundi Ajayi for more bullshit. Uh, Neverlast for the old glove fiasco in Omaha. Uh, the babyface assassin. Uh, Char against Brown getting called off. Uh, Connor Ben. Uh, Gaz Kia Davis. Uh, Paul Butler and his team. George Ferocious Cambosos going in on Ellie Setback. Uh, Eddie Hearn talking about pay-per-view numbers and Tyson Fury enlisting the help of Wayne Rooney. Not the strongest week, Matty, but there's a few there thrown in that might take your fancy. Your B-Hop one, of course, is also getting nominated. Who are you going for here? Episode 504. Oh, I think I have to go with B-Hop's incoherent ramblings. Uh, it, it was a, uh, a a good one to fill in for a week when we didn't have anything from Isaac Lowe. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, B-Hop getting uh, the, the pick for Matty. I am going Aussie for George Ferocious Cambosos going in on early setback. Anyone going in on setback is a friend of mine. Uh, who are you going for this week? Uh, the whole Connor Ben thing, you know, 500-page document, uh, his sister fighting his battles, Ben talking shit about other stuff as well. So, yeah, bet Connor Ben. Connor Ben getting it for Aussie. The deciding vote is going to go down to you then, Bob, unless you throw something else in, and it's going to be a four-way tie. 
Nah, it's got to be Conor Ben for this fight. We haven't fucking... They haven't concluded any final. <laughs> there hasn't been any conclusion to any of the cases that are outstanding, but yet he's taken to Instagram to uh, declare his innocence and that everything's okay now. Everybody just fucking move on and forget about it. Like, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. It's fucking con job, isn't he? Con job. Congratulations, Conor Ben. You are the Belly of the Week winner for episode 504. Jimmy Yappy is in the chat there. He says, when is the next pod, Steve? The next pod will be on January the 7th. We'll be back just in time to see Javonta Davis against Hector Ooh. Luis Garcia. See exactly what went down there. Well, that will Steve, be our next podcast. If, yeah. if they're really looking for something and they're they're hurting for content, uh, uh, Joe Kennedy and I are going to be coming on at 5.30 Eastern time on Wednesday for the uh, year wrap-up of Chicks with Dig. Um, so we decided on that I was going to go for uh, Saturday, but I got food poisoning Friday night. So uh, Wednesday it is, and it's going to be me and Joe Kennedy uh, doing the wrap up for Chicks with Dick. Excellent stuff. There you are, everybody. If you want a bit of extra content, Matty and Joe Kennedy. Sky Nicholson content heavy on that one. Yeah, well, you never know. She might get a mention. She might not. Depends. <laughs> it's about who you're associated with in this sport, isn't it? You know. <laughs> and we know place. she's associated with some big people now, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, sorry, yeah, like, sorry no, I know, probably got there and it's too late or whatever to cover it, but uh, I thought the interview with Akoli was class when he said that like Eddie Hearn is so good that he even had his mother ringing him up after he saw after she saw one of the Eddie Hearn interviews to chastise him and ask him what's going on uh, until he had to bring her to court to show her the papers and, and uh, the contract and that. Like So that was pretty good. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you're fine, Rob, no problem at all. Yeah, um, you'll be happy talking about extra content. So Matty's doing the Chicks with Dig thing. Uh, we will do a Nutters chat during the uh, Christmas and New Year period as well. Christmas falls on a Sunday, New Year's falls on a Sunday, so it will be the 7th. We'll do a Nutters call with Danny, Joe, and all the boys in the chat as well. I might put that up on the YouTube channel if I can be bothered, and on the SoundCloud as well, so you can have a listen to that too. In the meantime, if you want to join us over there, you are more than welcome. You don't have to, of course. This will always go out every Sunday evening, unfiltered, unhinged. Um, there is a link in the chat there as well. If you can't do any super chats, if you want to throw the boys a few pounds, that will be greatly appreciated. Thank you to everyone who has super chatted tonight. We had Ryan Chisholm, who was listening live. Um, it's not often Ryan gets here, but we were glad to have him with us. And David Palmer as well threw in a few pounds as well. Thank you to everyone who supported us and listened in each and every Sunday during the year. Couldn't do it without you. Yeah, well, it'd be pretty pointless to do it without the Matty, wouldn't it, I suppose, if we just sat here and talked shite. Every Sunday evening, nobody listened. It'd be a bit embarrassing there, I suppose, Matt, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I imagine so, but I could also see a universe where we just talk shit to each other as well. I don't think it's that far off the beaten path. <laughs> I could as well. Thank you very much, Matty. Paul's part asylum. <laughs> part asylum, stuck in the asylum, banging <laughs> our heads off the cells. <laughs> Thank you, Rob Kelly, as well, for jumping on Ozzy Smith. And Andy the Rock is here, usually. He can't speak at the moment. Get well soon, Andy. We love you. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll be back again on January the 7th, same time, same place, provided we're all still alive. And bye. Have a nice Christmas. We'll never forget. Don't you we want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I'm not a metaphor, so I ain't gonna fight me. I, I fell asleep. I, I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum, you're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has, 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 failed, has failed a test. Seven year eight. Seven year eight.
I'm a fucking smash. Fuck are you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. Simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.